where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Happy Friday Eve. Brooke Grimsley is here smiling at the uh, Airlines team studio cam. You can just t- log on to your old YouTube. If you got a phone, if you got a computer, if you got a smart TV and you want to see us really big, just uh, log on to YouTube and then go to 101 ESPN STL and, and you can watch us. Danny Mack is here. Matthew Rocchio is here. How are we doing, kids? Happy Friday Eve. Doing great. Happy Friday Eve, everybody. It's nice and warm outside. Was that a little weird this morning for everybody as well? Pleasantly weird. Yes, I liked it. I didn't even wear a jacket. I didn't like it. I loved it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I always go on the YouTube here, and Carol Blanton every day sends us a good morning, everyone. Happy Friday Eve, and tomorrow will say happy Friday or TGIF. I mean, mm-hmm. she is all over it every single day to wish us a happy day. And Carol, thank you very much. We have two super fans, Carol and then Nancy Pat. Good morning, Carol, They're and opening drive. Oh, don't forget Lisa day. on the text line. Lisa on the text mm-hmm. line is always there. I, I actually had a chance to spend some time with Lisa at the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame induction ceremony last week. Really? One of our favorites, yeah, and uh, it was great to see her celebrating St. Louis sports. No surprise there, but she's wonderful. She's Lisa great. Lisa is so great. She is so kind. She also sent me a little gift not too long ago. She's just such a nice person. There she's- are some people that woke up today, though, mad. Who? Uh, AT&T went out oh, in various yeah. spots across yes. the country. So there are some people that were dealing with their phone issues. And you think about not having your phone, that is your life. Everything's mm-hmm. on your phone. That mm-hmm. would be frustrating. It's yeah. a little scary, honestly, because we have gotten so used to our phones for every single thing. If it goes out, what do you think that you would do in that situation? Do you think that you have enough survival skills to help you go about your day no. without it? No, I don't. I do. Because back, back in my day, we did that. And I'm the person, by the way, and there's only like two or three of us in the whole world that still has a landline. You still have a landline? Oh, my that? parents do too. Mm-hmm. Really? So there's two. Now there's yeah. one left. So I'd say an average age of maybe 55 and above still have a landline. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the bundle. I don't care. So do you even, ever use a landline? Never. It yeah. never even gets answered when sales <laughs> calls come in. The only time it ever gets answered, there's two times. Number one, when I, when I want to play with a, a salesperson. 
uh, which is fun. You know, you pretend that there's a dead body in the house. Did you know Mr. Carricker? Hold on. You, we can't leave. You you can't hang up. Did you know Mr. Carricker? So, like, you act like there's a dead body on the floor, which is always fun and entertaining. Boy, you love death, man. Yep. I got to tell you, everything goes back to death <laughs> well, with no, you. it's fun to play with. Or, like, when they call to give you a free cruise, and then they say you aren't eligible for the cruise, and you go, but I really wanted a cruise. And I kept them, keep them on for a long time. Yeah. And then the other thing is uh, scam likely, uh, when you pick up the phone and say, hey, scam, what up? <laughs> so, yeah, I do that. On What's the- going on there? So, you could just give your landline phone number to the scammers or if somebody maybe you don't exactly want to hear from say yeah here's my number where you can reach me oh at. yeah 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 that, that's, a, that's a good play here's what we got coming up on this fabulous show today by the way does anybody have at&t that is uh i do and it did it work today i was actually wondering yesterday my phone was being really really weird i would keep losing service i thought it was just because i was in certain areas and i had those moments where i'm like wait how much am i paying for this why am i losing service in certain areas it was just a little weird and spotty yesterday I thought it was just AT&T doing AT&T yeah. things. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like yep, okay. standard procedure. Yeah. Uh, we are going to talk to Greg Amzinger at the bottom of this hour. Our friend Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from The Athletic, will join us at 8.15. And then Battlehawks head coach Anthony Becht has his coaching staff together. And we haven't had a chance to speak to Anthony since the Battlehawks re-signed A.J. McCarron. So he'll join us at 8.45. We're looking forward to that. The Blues in action tonight. Matthew wants me to say, Blues. Hockey tonight <laughs> here on 101 ESPN. Uh, pre-game at 6, action at 7 as they take on the Islanders, who did win four Stanley Cups one time. It was my uh, daughter's birthday last weekend. She asked for Blues tickets, and she's heading down with three of her friends, which I'm a bit concerned about because she's only 17. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get concerned about that. Like, do you know where to go park? Do you know where to you know get your tickets? Do you know what to do when you walk in? No parent going. So this is a big, big night for me. It is a big night. And big night, Randy. <laughs> Dan and Brooke, I got to tell you that when I was 17, I, I was driving my orange Firebird down to the arena all the time. Time all the time, and I never thought twice about it. Or when I worked at the ballpark as an usher when I was 18, never thought twice about it. But yeah, now we're concerned. Yeah, I, I still think there's ways to navigate this. I, I also have her a parking pass, and so that should help yeah, out. That will. Yeah. That will help out for sure. Um, Lisa already checks in. Hi, Lisa. So we'll do this do this right now. Morning faves. We're faves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Question, would Gorman make a good first baseman? Thanks all, Lisa. We're going to get to that later in the show, Lisa. So just hold on because we're going to have a lot of hot takes we coming. Are. And we Dan, do. going back, are you a Life 360 parent? Because yes. I know a lot of parents do that now. Does that make you feel a little bit better or are you just kind of nervously check in on where... Do you know what Life 360 is, Randy? I have Randy? no idea. So it's, it's on an your phone. App. Yeah, no. it's an app where you can see where your child is, uh-huh. location, different things. Like I'm not sure what the other features are, but are you just like nervously checking that Always. all day? Always. Yeah. Uh, I have an 18-year-old, now 17, and two that are 15, because I have twins. And I have to have Life 360 on that because you can find out where they're at. And some of my kids, naughty, they'll turn it <laughs> off at night. Like, they'll, they'll be out with their friends, oh, yeah. and they'll turn that thing off, and they're like, no, Mom and Dad aren't going to check on me. So they get rid of Life 360 amazingly at night for about three hours. <laughs> funny how that works it is yeah Yeah, kids will always find they always find a way always find a way impressive (laughs) all right last night in sports penn state was hosting illinois at penn state and in penn state's old arena that only holds 6500 people illinois was up 89 82 with 36 seconds left and found a way 
to lose the game. Uh, the 12th-ranked Illini allow... Uh, they foul a three-point shooter with three seconds left in the game, and Penn State comes back to win after trailing 89-82 with 36 seconds left. Penn State wins it over the 12th-ranked Illini, 90-89, to and then the Penn State fans stormed the court <laughs> in their 6,500-seat arena. How do you guys feel about storming the court? Love it. Yeah, I like it as long as you don't trample anybody. Yeah. That, that's the big thing. Rock, how do you feel about it? It's kind of it's mid-season number 12. Like, come on. It's becoming more commonplace for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, You're like, seeing it everywhere. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's supposed to be like, you know, you should get ready to do it if you're playing like a top three team later in the season. But no. I mean, a, a, mid, a late February stored Corman against a top... 15 squad? You are an 18-year-old freshman at Penn State. How many opportunities are you going to get? Yeah, let it rip. Have some fun. George Washington had their first win against a top 10, I think top 10, ranked opponent last night. I didn't see if it was on the road or not, but I was thinking that's an example for Rock. If that was at home, Mm -hmm. maybe you would storm the court in that situation. I don't know. I I, I kind of like it. I like it when they storm the field at football games. Yeah, it probably doesn't happen if they're in their main gym. It's just the fact that they were in they were in this like the old gym for the first time since 2015, and it was just it was raucous, and then huh. it just it just kind of spilled over. I think. So, Randy, how did they lose the game? They had to go to the free throw line a bunch, being fouled yeah. down the stretch was, going back to Illinois, and they just must have missed free throws. So here's the way it went for, with uh, from the 36 second mark on. It was actually crazy. A three-pointer for Penn State makes it 89-85. Then a timeout, a turnover by the Illini, mm-hmm. and then a layup to make it 89-87. to Illinois timeout, uh, and then a foul, uh, and then uh, no shots on the foul. And then Illinois misses a, a couple of free throws, and then a rebound for uh, Penn State, then the, the foul. Free throw, free throw, free throw goes from... 89, 87 to 90 to 89. I need to correct myself. I said George Washington. Uh, Washington. I meant uh, Mason. Uh, George, George oh, Mason. Yeah. So yeah. I got my Georges mixed up. It happens. <laughs> it yeah. does happen. Would you storm the court, Brooke? I, I think it just depends on the situation. I do think sometimes it becomes a little bit too common, especially in college basketball. But I think if the situation happens where you do beat a top-ranked team and you were definitely the underdog coming in, now in this fashion, down seven with under 40 seconds left to play, that is a pretty big deal yeah. to be able to come back yeah. in that manner. But if it's too, my issue is that something we saw just a few days ago where it was two ranked teams and then you had storming of the court, that's a little bit, eh, yeah, I don't act know. like you've been there before, right? Exactly. If you're ranked. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Agree, but if I agree with that. If you're 18, like you said, Randy, eh, what the hell? Go storm the court. Yeah, how many opportunities? That, that's a, the big thing. But if it is a reasonable, like I don't think a top 10 team, I don't think their students or fans should ever storm the court when you're top 10. But if you're unranked and you beat a ranked or a top 12, like Penn State, take advantage of that opportunity. Sure. If, hell, if uh, Mizzou wins a game, they should storm the court. <laughs> Wait, that's a good question. Should the fans storm the court if yeah. they win a game? Yeah, a, a game. Yeah, they, yeah they've, won, they've lost 13 in a row. Uh, the Flash, apparently official, Adam Wainwright, is going to be performing at the Grand Ole Opry. He announced it on X, and you can go in person. It's going to happen on March 9th. Wayno, obviously not in, tra- in spring training this year. So, Wayno, in addition to trying
turning out his first album tomorrow. You can get it wherever you get your music. First Wayno album tomorrow, and then performing at the Grand Ole Opry on March 9th. Good for Wayno. That is a pretty big deal, honestly. Everybody knows the Grand Ole Opry is a big deal when it comes to country music and different things like that. They don't let just about anybody go up there and perform, so good for him to be able to make his country grand old opry debut debut now is it bad guys that i'm from that area and i've never been to the grand old opry yes i've just never had i don't know i somehow i've been in the area i've just never actually made it to one of those events where you could go into the grand old opry it's awesome yeah all the history it's pretty cool what about elvis have you gone seeing uh the elvis situation there what was it his home yeah in memphis oh yeah i've done that before yeah Yeah, that's pretty cool too also they have a johnny cash museum i'm a Uh big johnny cash fan so that is something that's definitely worth seeing i've done that kind of stuff i've just never made it to go see someone perform over there i walk the line um i'm a big (laughs) johnny cash fan too uh and uh, i have gone to graceland and i don't know why elvis didn't get a big screen Hmm. He didn't have a flat screen. In his, he has his little 13-inch TV. So. A little little different time there, Randy. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. By the way, uh, L. King, do we know L. King? She took the stage at the Grand Ole Opry last yeah, month to do I a Dolly that. Parton tribute, and it turned out she was drunk. Oh, Oops. Yeah, But she at least she apologized for it, which is nice. Would you buy tickets to go see Wayno? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Love I Wayno. can pretty much say that I have zero chance to go watch that. Yeah. Maybe beyond zero. Yeah. Randy, don't bury the lead on that L. King story. She berated the crowd for booing her. Yeah. And then she apologized a day later. Like, (laughs) they were mad because she was obviously drunk. And then she berated the crowd, cursed at them, and said, you're not getting your money back, so I don't know why you care so much. And then it happened, which I just think is a wild decision. They were talking this morning on the way in about Prince. And apparently there was a concert that Prince performed, I think it was in New York, might have been Madison Square Garden, and they were upset that he didn't play his biggest hits. Little Red Corvette. As, yeah. yeah. I, I get that. I, I, I expect a band, when I go to see them or an artist, to play their biggest hits, and if they haven't played it and you think, okay, oh, they're just saving it for an encore, and they don't, I'm kind of pissed. Yeah. You, see, you wait that whole night for the encore and <laughs> yeah. waiting for the biggest hits, and they, they don't come with it. I, I think we've all been to a concert like that where they kind of sprinkle in their new music, but... Have you been to one where they they start with their new music that you don't know and you're just waiting there and you're like, all right, what are we going to get? (laughs) What are we going to get to the stuff that we came here for? (laughs) Huh? Did you just say Yanni? Yawning. No, you're doing the music. (laughs) I've never heard this before. Is he doing somebody else's or is she doing somebody else's stuff? (laughs) Hey, at eight o'clock, we're going to ask you and we want you to either leave us a mic drop or a text at eight o'clock. What Cardinal are you most excited about watching play this year? Everybody here knows that for me, it's Sonny Gray, Uh, but will we we want to hear from you as well. Uh, and um, who is this? Is a tough question. Who is the face of St. Louis sports right now? Who is the face of St. Louis sports? We don't have the NFL. We don't have the NBA. Our college basketball is kind of scuffling. Uh, we've got baseball, which won 71 games last year, and hockey, which didn't make the playoffs last year. So uh, that's something that we need to think a lot about. I was thinking about it. We, so we talked about it in the office yesterday throughout the topic. I still coming in this morning have been thinking about it. I was laying in bed with my phone that still worked and going through. <laughs> Must be okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was going nice. through some of the, the rosters and going, <laughs> you know, 
I don't know. I think I got one, but uh, I'm sure people will disagree. But we'd like to get the text line involved like we did yesterday. Yeah, and we're going to do that one at 9.15. Right now, though, we need your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. We've got Sick of It coming up next year on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. And guys, as you know, I w- I'm very accepting here. I, I-, I can uh, consume a lot of things and I don't get upset with things generally. That a lot of people do get set upset with, and I, not that I'm upset with, but I'm just sick of. Okay, the Super Bowl's over, and Taylor Swift is in Australia. I'm sick of that story being covered, Taylor and Travis. We don't need it anymore. The season's over, so let's move on to something else. I'm sick of it. Randy, you are all about T Swift. I am and Travis Kelsey. When when it's football season, I'm fine. When we're following Travis Kelsey while he's playing golf in Vegas, I'm not. Now, welcome to the celebrity side of this. Yeah, Travis went to L.A. to go to Australia and catch up with Taylor Swift mm-hmm. yesterday. So I'm going to add to the story, Randy, that you should just jump on because I know you're so thrilled about it. But you're done with it right now, and I'm I'm just trying to bring you back in. Well, it's uh, I, I love the the romance. I love the sweet kids, but you know what? Let them live their life now. Let them let them be young lovers. Let's just. Let's back up a little bit. Okay, she's not at games. She's not in the booth. You can show her in concert and show photos in concert. But when they're out on the beach in Australia, do they? they, they yeah, sure, they have beaches in Australia. They did a world, an America's <laughs> Cup there. Uh, just let them be. Okay, just I, let them live. Yeah, they, they don't need us right now, and we don't need them. Well, sadly, I don't think that that will ever be the case for I Taylor Swift so. no. because of how famous she is. So yeah. no matter what they do, every little thing is going to be documented from here on out. By the way little note that I was not aware of. Her pilot lives out in St. Charles County. The one that flies her all over the place lives out in St. Charles County. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. And her grandmother went to Lindenwood. No way. Yep. Really? Mm -hmm. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Pretty impressive. What are the ties to the Midwest? Like, where did she grow up? I I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Philly and then moved to to Nashville. To Nicheville. Nicheville. Yes. Do you have a nickname for them, by the way? For Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift? Uh, well, trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Something doesn't sound Travis. right about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that combo. I don't like that. No, yeah. there's something something weird there. Yeah. Can you throw that away, babe? <laughs> and then one of them throws something away, and then all of a sudden we have trailer trash. It, you know? Oh, no, no, no. We, that's that's why it doesn't work out. We'll, we'll work on this a little bit more. So, okay, the other one would be Tavis. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. We can work on this. Okay, let's... Yeah. yeah. We can let's work let's workshop it. <laughs> Team meeting later to figure this out. So, guys, you know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of people acting crazy on planes. Did you see the other day an American Airlines plane was heading to Chicago from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they didn't make it very far because a passenger decided to get up and try to open the plane door midway through the flight. So they had to turn around. You can see the video. They got him pinned down. Some of the passengers did. And they duct tape him. Duct tape <laughs> him and i just don't understand what's going on with some of these flights now doesn't it seem more frequent that we're seeing more people just act crazy on these planes it does seem like that and first of all the first thing i thought of when you mentioned this aren't we supposed to have air marshals on every single flight i thought we were i think for a while we were yeah after 9 11 yeah 
But, uh, yeah, the weirdness, you're right, is crazy, and I'm sick of it. And the other thing is, thank goodness for duct tape. <laughs> to, because it worked out. I don't understand, like, what's going on with people on there, you know? I mean, people. are just people just going crazy now? Do you just get nervous? Is it because of the movie Snakes on the Plane, and then you think there are snakes on yep. the plane? Yeah. What is exactly going on there where people have lost their minds when they get on That's a plane? That's exactly what's happened. I, I start to now panic, because I have a flight coming up soon, where I'm like, am I going to experience some craziness when I go on a plane? Okay, I am so sick of people complaining about the Major League Baseball uniform. That's all they talk about. The names on the back, what it looks like on the front. The pants are too tight. And by the way, I'm one of them. I'm also (laughs) one of the people complaining. At first, I was like, ah, it's fine. And now I look at it. I watch it. I'm in that group that says, we better get this thing right. Mm -hmm. And if the players don't like it, that's a real problem. They had a photo day with the uh, Dodgers yesterday. It looked awful. It did not look good. And the the names on the back of the jersey looked like you could pick it up the, off the rack at Dick's mm-hmm. Sporting Goods. So I, I while I was sick of it initially, I'm part of that group that's sick of seeing the uniforms the way that they are currently constructed. I do think that they're going to make an adjustment of some sort. I, I don't know if they're going to have to redo every single team, but I, I bet there's going to be an adjustment of some sort. So it's going to sound weird that I'm the one pointing this out, but yes, when you're is. talking about photo day, <laughs> did you see a lot more of the controversy that was coming out around it is that the pants are see-through. The I, pants are see-through a little I bit. I did see that, Brooke. I didn't know how to... Um, I set you up for it. No, no. Uh, let me. I, I didn't know how to ex- uh, accentuate the point, maybe. I didn't know how to express myself on the radio. Uh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. They, yeah, I definitely saw it, and maybe they need to make an adjustment. Well, it comes back to the quality of it, which is what we've been discussing, and now when you see these photos come out, I feel like it is fair to judge that. I think it's an adjustment with the uniforms, and maybe the player needs to make an adjustment as we mm-hmm. move forward. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we could have, have Thanks some... a lot, Brooke, for bringing it up. <laughs> what exactly? We, we could... just, I had to bring it up. <laughs> we, we could have some... Uh, some non-family-friendly moments with the see-through you could, pants. man. Yeah. Here's the thing. If the players are uncomfortable with it, they should have a voice in this thing and they say, should. you know what, this is not right, and ultimately you want me comfortable when I'm playing, so that's a problem. Won't somebody think of Jose Altuve's wife? She's yeah, gonna really. be she's gonna be furious about this. Good point. Yeah, I had not thought of that. That's a, that's a great point. Thank All right, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? Sick of it. The CFP keeps wanting to expand. You just expanded at twelve, and now you're looking at fourteen. By March, the CFP will be up to twenty. Could almost be a take it or leave it. The CFP will reach thirty-two teams by twenty thirty-five. I'm sick of it. I hope they do. I hope they take the lead of Division Two and Division Three and just go to a thirty-two team playoff because it makes the most sense. I, I would do that, and it's going to generate the most money, and it'll get rid of the bowl system. You're going to have, what, 17 games for kids that are 18, 19 years old? That's yeah. asking a lot. Yeah. You're also going to have... They're young. Ball's not heavy. The way that I looked at it, <laughs> it's like two or three weeks that top seeds would have to not play. That, that's something else to consider. You know, we, we always talk about teams that come in hot in postseason play, like wild card teams. Mm-hmm. That could be a problem, too, moving and, forward. Yeah, all you can do is give them the one week off because what you do is you start the tournament in the second week of... If you have a 16-team term, tournament, you start, at, for example, December 14th. Let's say that that falls on a, a Saturday or, or a Friday night, that weekend. You do you go 16-8 to eight on the 14th. Yep. You go 8-4 to four on... Uh, the the twenty first on the twenty eighth you go four to two and then whatever January eighth or whatever you have your 
your championship game. It's a lot of numbers. I'm trying to follow you. I'm just doing the calendar. <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing the, my, the, my calendar in 3D. Doing what, the do you, what do you do with the transfer portal? Do you move it back because some of these kids say, you know what, I want to play in meaningful games? By this time, the transfer portal will not be a factor because players will be under contract to universities. Probably right. Yeah. You think that's what's going to happen? Because yeah. that's what I was wondering is, one, the transfer portal, and we see so many players who don't participate in these big games. Will they possibly want to, especially if they're looking forward to the NFL draft? What quality will we see player-wise competing? I think it depends on the contract. And, for example, there's, uh, who is it this year? Somebody is going would make more money staying in school that, and taking the money rather than going to the NFL. It was one, one of the quarterbacks. So, yeah, just it's take advantage. It's not Caleb Williams. So, no, no, he, he was last year. Yeah. But there, there are quarterbacks out there, there, there are players out there that will make more staying yeah. in school. I would say Caitlin Clark would make yeah. more money no instead doubt. of going to the WNBA. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes. Uh, Randy was talking to, this is radio, Randy uh, was connecting with Rock about something. And what is it, Randy? Sick of it. Sick of Randy nicknaming everyone when the nickname is only going to be known by him, Brooke, and Danny Mac. Nicknames should be universally known. And then he lists a bunch of universally known ones. You're better than that, Randy. Uh, Where did this call come from? Uh, This is just from the 314. All right, Threezy. Let's start with this. We don't have enough nicknames. In sports. We need more nicknames in sports. Uh, We've had a lot of great nicknames here. We've had Marp. We've had the Superfluous H. Right now we have the Kingwood Cannon. We have Nadub and J-Dub and so many more. And yes, we aren't going to have nicknames unless I come up with them. You certainly aren't helping me. So uh, we need more nicknames in sports. We had the Splendid Splinter. We had Jolton Joe. We had the Babe. We had the Man. We had the Commerce Comet. El Hombre. El hombre, there you go. We had the rocket. We need more nicknames in sports and specifically in baseball right now. I'm more than happy to accept your entries so that we can provide more nicknames in sports, specifically baseball. Come on now. Don't just say, oh, don't leave a nickname and then not, don't give me any ideas. Give me ideas. I want ideas. Well, and then you're a part of the inside joke. If you're worried of, about not knowing or not being aware, we're letting you in to the inside joke. We right. want you to be a part of this whole process. Right. With the nicknames. And then, not only that, but we can add, like, we had Teddy Ballgame, we had the Splendid Splinter, mm-hmm. well, and now he is the Splendid Winter, which is really fun. We, we add nicknames. And the kid with Ken Griffey Jr. Yep. Oh, and, and Ted Williams was the kid also. That's right. Yeah, so we just need more nicknames. One of my favorite one ever is just go type in Charles Barkley into basketball reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is like 19 nicknames. <laughs> for him. It's, it's literally a paragraph of nicknames. It's so good. Round yeah. mound of rebound. That's yes. so good. The fact that America embraced a nickname with that many syllables tells you that we've lost mm. we've lost our way and now that everything has to be shortened if we even do get a nickname. How about when we had a quarterback uh, Jared, uh, what was his last name from Kentucky? Jared. Yeah, Lorenzen, the hefty lefty. Yeah, the hefty lefty. I like that one. That's one of the all-time greats. They, uh, during Players Weekend with Major League Baseball, there was a guy that was, let's just say he was heavier in the bullpen for Tampa Bay, and they called him Two Towels because when he came out of the shower, he needed two towels. And he had it on his back. He liked it. He thought that was good. Or the great coleslaw, remember from BT? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's coleslaw and he had no idea why why, why is he coleslaw because nobody likes coleslaw uh back to jared lorenzen though the 300 pound backup for the giants the pillsbury throw boy oh uh, you got jimmy ball game j load yeah. jimmy ball game was great 
uh, the abominable throw man. <laughs> Who is that? The, the Jared Lorenzo. Oh, okay, he was in that one too. Yep, Battleship. <laughs> Tubby Gunslinger. <laughs> Butterball. Oh. <laughs> Lord of the Ring Dings. Okay, these are starting to get personal. And the Round Mound of Touchdown. Like it. They're all yeah. so personal. He was awesome for the, the late, uh, great Jared Lorenzo. Didn't play what much, but had great nicknames. Thank you, Matthew. You're welcome. Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. He has a new coworker. We're going to talk about that. We didn't do it last week, but we'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke Grimsley, Danny Mac, Randy Carricker, and we go to the celebrity line now. Our friend, lead anchor for MLB Network, a native of St. Louis, product of the Lindenwood University. Greg Emzinger joins us now. Greg, good morning. Uh, did your phone blow up when MLB Network revealed the number one player, and no, more notably, I guess, the number four player in baseball right now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Shohei Otani, number four. I, I played the game last night and I did it differently it was my I think 14th 13th year hosting the show I decided and, and there was a lot of choreography that had to take place for this to happen I did not want to know the order so so Chris Young and Ron Darling my co-host they knew who was 10 through 1 I told my production staff that I did not want to know I wanted to learn alongside all of America right and I was pulling for Otani to be number one I think he's the best baseball player in the world hands down I mean He's, it's the equivalent of flying. He knows how to hover above the ground. He can fly. No one else can. He's not going to fly in 2024. So we think he's not the best baseball player on the planet. He's, just, he's healing up to fly again in 2025. So I thought he should have still been number one, but this is an opportunity for someone else to be number one. But my phone blew up for a different reason. And as you all know, uh, when Ronald Acuna Jr. was the number one player, by the way, uh, you know, the best broadcasting, the best radio, the best television sometimes are the off-the-cuff, oh, oh my goodness, stuff that, that you don't know is going to happen. Well, we're about to go live and, and, and reveal who's number one. Once we reveal Mookie Betts, is number two with a montage is what they call it. So it's like you throw to a piece of tape and you're Mookie Betts with a home run. And you hear all these broadcasters talk when you're seeing highlights of Mookie and he's number two. So our mics are dead and obviously we know who's number one now and they want to check in Ronald Acuna Jr. So they're like, hey, Greg, say hi to Ronald Acuna Jr. You guys are going to talk to Mookie Betts. You're going to throw the uh, Acuna montage and then you'll interview Ronald Acuna Jr. So I got 
30 seconds to check him in. So I'm like, hey, Ronald, thanks for joining us, man. I'm surprised he's big. Uh, can you hear me? He's like, yeah, I can hear you. And they go check in his interpreter, Franco from the uh, Braves, really nice guy. So I'm trying to check him in as well. And then I go real quick before I let you go, Ronald, do I, do, do I need to uh, have Franco interpret your question, my question to you? Can we skip that? And he looks at me with like a little panic on his face. He goes, sure, yeah, we could skip it. Now, Molly Cooney Jr., never, we've never interviewed him in English. He's, he's always had an interpreter. So we do the Mookie thing. We go to number one. It's Raleigh Cooney Jr. I bring in Raleigh Cooney Jr., okay, live. He's with his interpreter. You see him on the big screen, both boxes. It's, it's Acuna and then Franco, the interpreter. I ask uh, uh, Raleigh Cooney Jr., what does it feel like to be number one? What does it mean to you? He answers in English. <laughs> in English. He got confused when I said, do I need to have him interpret the question? So we did the entire interview with Ronald Acuna Jr. in unbelievable English. And there were a couple moments he was really pulling for it. And Franco just sat there doing nothing. He sat on TV doing nothing. And I told him, I go, Franco, at the end, we didn't need you, but you look like a proud father. He goes, was it in his English? Great. I'm like, it was amazing. And Ronald Acuna, I think, was more proud. He was more proud of himself for doing a live national TV interview in English for the first time he's ever done it than, than being the number one player in the world. So it was a really cool TV moment. It was it was fantastic. And then when, when you said that to Franco, he just kind of throws up his arms and says, thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was like, okay. I don't know why I was here, but it was a pretty good Zoom call. That was great. I, I loved it. Okay, the other thing, and Greg, we didn't get to this last week, but I know that you guys have been negotiating with Adam Wainwright for a while, and he'll be one of your coworkers at MLB Network this season. Uh, I'm so excited about this. It was hard to get him because he's a busy guy. And usually the great ones are really busy. So to look at their calendar and see what days could work and what would make sense for him uh, was a challenge. But uh, he adds so much to our network. He really, really does. My friends are razzing me. They're like, what, what's next in two years? Are, are you going to be on the set with Pujols, Wainwright, and Mosaic? And I'm like, yes. Yes, absolutely. That's what we do. That's my master plan. So everyone in St. Louis knows uh, Mosellock doesn't. So John, I'm coming for you when you step down uh, as a front office executive. We need more bow ties on our network, and I think you bring that. Um, but, yeah, I think Wainwright, with everything he's done in the game, how beloved he is, uh, I, I can't wait to do live look-ins on MLB tonight with him. <laughs> first, off, first of all, as you all know, he's hilarious. So that, that wit will really uh, be showcased in an ad-lib format like MLB Tonight. I'm, I think he's a perfect fit. Greg, I want to go back to the top 100 because I'm scrolling through it right now that you guys unveiled, and I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And finally, at number 33, I find Nolan Arnato. That's quite the drop from six last year to number 33 this year. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. There, the problem is... Part of this the show is projecting. I think it should be 60-40 projecting. So it's the last three years, all the accolades that you have along with it, and then we have to look forward based on, you know, Juan Soto is, I think, number six or seven on this list. And the reason for that is, well, Aaron Judge is hitting behind him. And so I mean, that's going to impact and the new ballpark that he's playing. And look at his home road splits last year. Petco Park, which is not a hitter's haven, he hit 240 with like 10 home runs. He went on the road. He's one of the best players in baseball. So he's going to go to that short porch and right field at Yankee Stadium with Aaron Judge hitting behind him. He doesn't have to expand. He can take his walks if you want to walk him. He's got Judge next. Uh, that's why we're, we're projecting to, for a monster year. And there's so many young players in the game that you have to project and get excited about. So 
Arenado and, and Goldie in their 30s, future Hall of Famers, it, it's just hard to project bigger and better numbers for them when you look at the 25-year-olds that are in the game that are all soaring to new heights. So I, 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 he would even tell you he had a down year. I think he's a top 20 player still. I really do. What do you think about these guys, like the four players that are represented specifically by Scott Boris, signing at some point here in the next week or two? Jordan Montgomery has made some noise here in St. Louis. You could understand that. But the big four guys that he still represents in, in trying to find teams. He's, he's playing the waiting game, and more than likely, it's going to work. There's always a knee-jerk reaction to a significant injury to a key cog in your rotation or your lineup. What happened for Josh Hader, I don't think a lot of people expected him to get record AAV as a closer, even over Edwin Diaz. Edwin, because he had deferred money, his AAV record was snapped by Josh Hader, who wanted the biggest contract ever for a reliever. So technically, he did get that. No one was saying they were going to give that to him. No one thought that he was worthy of it based on the fact he wouldn't take the ball in the eighth inning in a, in a must-win for the Padres at the end of the year. Last year, Bob Melvin was furious, and he has his own rules and regulations about how you use him. So that kind of tainted him and his brand came down a bit but then the Houston Astros lost Kendall Graveman and and Houston Astros are as win now as you can be with all the players that are in their 30s from the dynasty team that they had so they need to make sure the back end of that bullpen is legit and while Ryan Presley's a great reliever he doesn't have the swing and miss Josh Hader has so that that injury spurred a knee-jerk reaction to give in to the free agent and that's what happened I think Scott Boris is banking on as these as these spring training camps roll on injuries to a rotation. If you're the Yankees and Nestor Cortez goes down, for example, oh no, let's sign Blake Snell. What does he want? Right? Like uh, you know, you're going to need depth. And once there's an injury, you're going to see these four guys get gobbled up. I I'm extremely confident all four will be signed before opening day. But that's the waiting game, and it's Scott Boris who just waits everyone out. I heard a story Ron Darling told it uh, to me last night that uh, before camp, before spring training, the last player to arrive with the Oakland A's was either Jose Canseco and Ricky Henderson, and it was the most hilarious thing ever because they would sit in their cars in the parking lot and stare at each other to see which one would go in first because whoever went in last would get in the most trouble but in the clubhouse they thought it was like an honor like wow you really waited him out so to me this is what Boris is doing right now and he's probably going to win. Greg we're going to do a segment at 8 o'clock which Cardinal are you most excited about watching in 2024? Let's get that answer from you which Cardinal are you most? Jordan Walker it's Jordan Walker and it's everybody else I mean the weirdness that happened when he started the season uh, let's get that all out of the way he's not going to have that. I hope this is just me and I don't know if any anybody's listening that's you know connected to the Cardinals uh, fingers crossed put him towards the top of the lineup please please like I don't need to see him at seven I don't want to see him at eight put him in the top four I don't care which four you put him in but I want to see Jordan Walker hit in the first inning every, every game the Cardinals play and let's just close our eyes and imagine what he could do there so I would love to see that I think Jordan Walker could have an all-star season if you hit him in the, towards the top of the lineup where he's hit his entire life, right, but, but other than last year. And it let him just become the new face of the Cardinals. Like, please. And I think if they do that, you got a star in the banking. He is by far the player I'm the most excited to watch. I want to ask you about the uniforms, and there's been a lot of consternation about this, and certainly here in St. Louis, you can understand how people get into it. But really, it's going nationwide. Is there something they can do to adjust 
quote unquote, the pants and also the names on the back of the uniform because people are pretty fired up about it. Yeah, look, this is the maiden voyage, right, of, of changing uniforms. Anytime you implement change in this sport, good luck. That's why I look, people say what they want about Rob Manfred as a commissioner. He had the perfect demeanor to be a commissioner during this time of massive change. What does that mean? He, he, he's used to sparring with people. I mean, it's the lawyer, labor lawyer, right? He, he's, he's used to having heated exchanges. He's used to people not liking him. I don't think he cares. And that is the kind of person you needed for this time of massive change. When it comes to uniforms, that is like the symbolic uh, aspect of tradition in Major League Baseball. Don't mess with these wonderful pizza, pieces of art that our heroes play in. Well, they messed with them. They, they're, they're always trying to evolve, and it's not going over well. What I'll tell you is this. This, this uh, commissioner's office, they care about what fans like and what they don't like, and they listen to fans. So if this is not going over well, adjustments will be made. That is how this group operates. I don't, can't confirm that yet, so I don't get a headline somewhere on social media from one of your listeners. Amsinger says that the uniform is going to change. That's not what I'm saying yet. I'm just saying they listen to the fans and adjustments will no doubt be made. Well, I also want to ask you about, speaking of Rob Manfred, we talked about this yesterday because he announced that he's going to retire in 2029. What would you like to see happen with baseball before he does retire? Ooh, that's a really, really good question. I would like to see – and. and to me, it's, it's disappointing that he said that uh, expansion will not happen under his watch. I mean, he's going to be rolling through January 2029, right? So he's got a few more years left. I think it is time to make that announcement. I would love to have the announcement of the 31st and the 32nd Major League Baseball franchises under his watch. And the reason I say that is there's not controversy in that. That that isn't change that is going to get you know blood boiling. I, I, he deserves an easy announcement. Okay, like every single thing he's implemented has been polarizing, and fans and players and GMs and owners eventually grow to like all these changes. He's made the game so much better, and I loved the game before, but it's better now. It, it's keeping up with the times, and to me, that that's massively important. So I would love to see him have a wonderful ceremony where it's nothing but excitement to have two new franchises announced, two exciting fan bases, two beautiful cities. He deserves that, and he needs to be the one that's part of that. So I would love to see expansion happen before he steps down January of 2029. All right, Greg Amsinger, finally, you know, we asked the tough questions here. Uh, Nolan Gorman, the, the Cardinal nominal designated hitter, has lost 10 pounds by changing the popcorn that he eats. He's changed to a popcorn that is made with coconut oil. You're in great condition. What snack is your number one snack. Gorman's is popcorn. He changed the popcorn to a different one. What's Greg Amsinger's go-to snack? Chips and salsa. Oh, my goodness. If I was on an island and I could only have one food to eat for the rest of my life, it'd be chips and salsa. It's so bad. I'm a dog in a trash can when you give me chips and salsa. I don't, I don't know what full is. I, I Honestly, I have no definition for it. I just eat the whole jar of salsa, and then I tell myself, I guess I'm full now because I just ate an entire jar of salsa. So no joke, I'm sitting here in my bedroom, and I'm reading a book. I'm halfway through this book, and it's called The Hunger Habit. Why we eat when we're not hungry and how to stop. I'm not kidding you. It's by Justin Brewer. 
So it's a very poignant question that you just asked me. It is something I have to work on because when you love the thing you love, it becomes a habit and we're kind of chained down by the habits we create. So this book is fascinating. It's a New York Times bestseller. I promise you I have no financial gain in this book. Brandy was not put on the spot to ask me this question. No. This was a complete ad lib. And I am reading about this. And we can only exercise so much. As we get older, we're kind of hurting our bodies if we go too hard. So it's really portion control and recognizing that we have these mental games that we play. And no one's born and recognized it in a different way. I'm recognizing that I have to have a relationship with the word full. I don't know what it is. I got to have that in my head. I got to know when I'm full. So it's hard, man. It's a lifelong struggle. It, it, it's hard trying to look like you're in shape when you're really not. So, Greg, here's the thing, though. When you go to a Mexican restaurant, they put chips and salsa on the table for free. It's the first thing they bring out. They don't want you to get full. They're going to keep bringing those chips and salsa out to you. I never get full when when I've got chips and salsa in front of me. I'm the exact same way. And you know what? I think it's just a natural thing because they're really good for you. Obviously, you've got tomatoes in the in the salsa, and that's really good for you. And then you've got flour. I mean, you've got to have uh, the, the sustenance. Oh, no, no, stop. You're talking me into this. Stop. You're making me hungry just by describing what's in salsa, Randy. <laughs> Why would you do this? It's delicious. Do you know? Do you know? I'm playing a game until I finish the book. I'm halfway through the book, so I'm not prepared to go back into a Mexican restaurant right now. Right? I'm not. So I'm to avoid it, I'm telling myself that there's a most wanted sign in every Mexican restaurant <laughs> in, in America, and my face is on it. And I think I'm going to go to prison if I step into a Mexican restaurant. So I cannot go. I'm not going to eat Mexican food, which is my favorite, until I finish reading this book and I have the mental tools to push it away. You will, well, you, you might be a stronger-willed person than I, <laughs> but well, I can't do it. Brady, 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 it all comes down to want to, right? I don't think you want to. What is your favorite, what is your favorite food, Randy? Uh, oh, brother, there, it's, <laughs> it's chocolate-covered, dark chocolate-covered almonds. Really? Dark chocolate superfood, almond superfood. It's dark chocolate coconut covered almonds, uh, coconut superfood, all three superfoods. So I just, I go with that. I, I'm a great rationalizer, Greg. <laughs> you you rationalize to a point where you probably think you're getting healthier by every handful you I am. Put your that, That's the way I'm looking at it, brother. <laughs> That is how that that see, that is symbolic of how analytics are used in baseball. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, they taught me the four food groups, and I'm not I'm not going to deviate, man. The stats bear out. This guy can't <laughs> run. He can't hit. He can't field, but man, he can walk. He's good at not swinging. We should find him, and we should have him in the middle of our order. That is Randy rationalizing eating chocolate-covered almonds all the time. I love it. So Unfortunately, we have a cho- chocolate-covered almond on the Cardinal roster, uh, so it's, it, it is what it is. <laughs> he shall go unnamed. He shall go unnamed. You have a great day. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. And we'll be watching MLB tonight. All right. Take care, guys. That was fun. Thanks. See you later. Take care. That's Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Oh, Greg. You know what? I think everybody has their thing. And I was trying to think of it. It sounds weird, but I'm a huge Rice fan. Giving up rice probably would help me. It would give mm-hmm. me, you know, the whole Nolan Gorman diet situation. Or I, you wouldn't say diet, but what? I can't believe that it was popcorn that it. helped it, him but, lose ten pounds. But in a different kind of popcorn, because it, he went from butter to coconut oil. Wow.
So I, feel like, I feel like with guys, you make a little change like that, and you see a difference. Because how many times do you hear a guy say, oh, I, I just quit drinking soda, and I lost 10 pounds? Yeah, it does make a difference. It's a little different yeah, for women, enough, I feel like. Water. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, do you have a number one snack go-to? Uh, sure, anything with chocolate. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, pretty okay. much. Yeah. Uh, your carrot cake? Uh-huh. <laughs> I would, I'm dead serious. I'd put that up against anything, wow. and I would demolish that. Yeah, that's okay. You've been like, saying that you're going to give me one, that. but you haven't. I've, I've had busy days, man. I had a busy day yesterday. I got a busy day today. I, I need to cut back on the busy days. Mm-hmm. All right. I need to start being lazy. Yeah, and then just start working on making us those carrot cakes. I will get to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Coming up, get your text in for Take It or Leave It. The text line is open, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. <laughs> you haven't been asking me to do it the last couple of days. You've been offering, sir. Yo-HO. Yay! <laughs> Take it or leave it next time. 101 ESPN. Thanks, Dan. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, it's time for Take It or Leave It. Brooke, Dan, Matthew, and Randy. And guys, there's a new documentary out. They are, they are two episodes in to Dynasty, the story of the New England Patriots on Apple. And one of the reviews points out that in an, an upcoming episode, Brady's former teammates were candid about how clear the strain was between Brady and Bill Belichick. Rob Gronkowski said that he didn't want to leave his car and go into work when he got into the parking lot at the team facility. Former receiver Wes Welker an, uh, an, uh, analyzed, analogized Brady to an abused dog in his service to Belichick. And Matthew Slater, the special teamer, said it was brutal. Take it or leave it. This documentary will cause Bill Belichick to not coach in the NFL again. Ooh, to not coach in the NFL ever again? Mm -hmm. I can't see that happening, but do you wonder if maybe this documentary had anything to do with maybe some concerns that teams had about him coming into their organization currently? I think so. Yeah, I think that they... Mm -hmm. I I don't know if the documentary would. I just think his reputation would. Um, I don't know if that will leave him out... Because there's some owner that may watch it and say, that's exactly what we need. We need to have a stern guy, a big voice, and someone that's tough on our team. Here's the problem for him, though. His shelf life is very limited. Mm -hmm. You know, does he get a year or two at the age of 72? And that would be it. So it's going to be tough for him to get that. Yeah, it will be really tough. I I do wonder, though, just the timing of everything, Mm -hmm. if that had something to play into it. You have that documentary coming out you would possibly bring him to your organization. I think it's interesting. And by the way, in the review, both Tom Brady and Robert Kraft were uh, described as being more blunt than usual in their descriptions of Belichick. Ooh, wow. I'm going to have to watch that there soon after I get done with The Sopranos. So take it or leave it. Elliot Friedman, he has a recent article where he's talking about the NHL trade deadline that's coming up. And in the specific part where he's talking about the Blues, he said that Doug Armstrong never talks about this stuff, but the price of Pavel Buchnevich is said to be very high. The versatile forward has another year under contract, so two firsts or something like that. Take it or leave it. We won't see Buchnevich moved at the trade deadline. If he gets two firsts, he will. If you get two firsts for Pavel Buchnevich, that's a, I mean, to me, when they got him, it was a steal and what he's done yes. this year. If you can flip him and get two firsts, that would be highway robbery. I am going to take it, though. I don't think somebody will give up two number ones at the deadline to get him. I just think there's probably going to be 
as productive a player down the stretch. Don't You don't get the guy for the extra year like you do with Butchnevich, but somebody will take a guy for one run like it was with Kane and Tarasenko last year, and they'll have to give up a lot less than two, two number ones. Okay, take it or leave it. The A's payroll is $59 million. Take it or leave it. They'll have more than 59 wins. Leave it. I'm going to leave it, too. Here's some of the names, by the way, that's on their roster. It's just household names like Tyler Soderstrom, Ryan Noda, Zach Geloff. uh, Let's see. Jordan Diaz, Nick Allen, Seth Brown. These are all Mm -hmm. guys that are going to be in their starting lineup. Take it or leave it. The A's have a crowd under 500 this year. Ooh, that's a good question, Randy. I might have to take that one. You think you may have some hate watching, though? Yeah. And people that will still think that they can help the A's stay there, right? Sure. That's part of it. Yep. And, you know, it's a it's a problem right now for Major League Baseball if they don't get this resolved in Vegas. And mm-hmm. by all accounts, it's up in the air. But yeah. uh, Major League Baseball is not going to be embarrassed. They're going to figure out a way to get it done. Yep. Matthew, what do we got on the text line? Take it or leave it. If the Cardinals get off to a slow start, we just blame the, uh, we just blame the uniforms. Take it. And the question is Is Wilking Rodriguez on the roster? That's key. That's key. Mm Is that going to be your player that you're most excited to see this oh, season, it Randy? Might be, bro. Am I? It I'm sorry. Be. Am I just ruining the next segment <laughs> coming up for you? <laughs> I didn't even think about that he would do that, but yes, it's 100 was about to happen. Number 58. <laughs> <laughs> Number, Number one in your heart. Uh, take it or leave it. Arnado jumps 10 places on next year's top 100 list, and Jordan Walker debuts. Take it. Ooh, yes, yeah, I'll take both. that. Top 100. Uh, I think Arenado has to move up after mm-hmm. what he did last year. So I'll, I'll take that. I think he moves up for sure. Uh, in terms of Jordan Walker, his second year, yeah, I bet he moves up or maybe into the top 100 next year. I would think I'm kind of surprised w- with the prospects that are there that he isn't even an honorable mention at this point. He should be. Walker's, for some of the players that are on the list, I think Walker should be. I don't know if whether or not it should be like banking for a really good Arnado season because of everything that's been going on the last three weeks or a really not so good Arnado season. I can't I can't tell which way it's going to go. Take it or leave it. Mason Wynn gets a gold glove within the next three years. Take it. I'll Ooh, take it. Yeah, I'll take that. I think a lot of people will pay attention to his arm. Yes. And that'll get, you know, garner a lot of attention as he moves forward. Yeah. He's going to have a tough time in the central though because Swanson can play defense you've got O'Neill Cruz you've got Ellie De La Cruz right and then uh, the shortstop that the the Brewers just got from uh, Baltimore in the Corbin Burns trade is considered the best defensive minor league shortstop take it or leave it since the turn of the century Johnny Manziel is the most interesting athlete of all time or just that, since, that, two, since, since, since 2000 Y2K. Yeah, I gotta leave that. I'm gonna leave yeah, that I'm gonna too. Leave it. There's, there's a lot. I mean, he's I think up he's... there. How do you go against LeBron? That would be Bryce Harper. Because LeBron never skipped he out was of on practice the cover to go of party. Sports Illustrated a... is saying the chosen one or whatever it was. Johnny Manziel yeah. skipped out of an NFL practice, flew to Vegas, and then tried to put on a disguise while in Vegas so that the Browns wouldn't know that he had skipped practice to go partying. Maybe that's he's the insane. Most, maybe he's the most notorious of that group but infamous yeah infamous would be a good way to put it yeah yeah after realizing that tony pollard is not the answer the cowboys acquire derrick henry Uh, that's been 
broached. I'm going to leave that though. That just doesn't seem to be the approach of the Cowboys. They're going. They, they go young when they get rid of somebody. They they go younger rather than older generally, uh, and they do fill in with people like uh, Brandon Cooks and. They, they traded for Amari Cooper. But at that running back position, they seem to, every time they get a new guy, he seems to be younger. They, they go with rookies. Take it or leave it. Greg Popovich is actually overrated. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to take it. Hmm. I mean, you had the Admiral. You had Duncan, mm-hmm. Ginobili. I mean, you start going down the line, he had loaded teams. Mm-hmm. Now, he did do some things on the international stage, but still loaded teams. And any time that anybody has success, you look to knock them down. So I'll, I'll knock them down go. and say, no, I'm going to leave it. He made uh, Kawhi Leonard a much better yes. player. Mm-hmm. And th- when they lost Duncan, they still stayed competitive because of what he did with Leonard. And my pe- people are like, well, he only won with stars. Point me to the NBA coach who won without stars ever in the history of the league. Yeah, well, you had the Cleveland... Cavaliers not loaded with you had LeBron in 2016 and Kyrie Irving. You had Kyrie Matthew Dellavedova. That's that's, Hello. That's, that's, that's two. That's two of the best players of all time and two other all-stars. Kyrie one of the best ever? No, I'm saying LeBron's the, one of the best players of all time and then it's two all their all-stars and Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. That's not that's not a that's a that's a pretty star-studded roster. I guess. So, all right. That's all I'm saying. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up, which Cardinal are you most excited about watching play this year? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, uh, 8.09, your time check, brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke, Dan, Matthew, and Randy. Okay, who is the Cardinal that you're most intrigued about? Who is the one you're most excited about seeing play in 2024, Brooke? For me, it's very easy, and it's the guy that Greg said earlier, and that's going to be Jordan Walker, because everything that happened last season, you know, you had him be a part of the opening day roster, then they sent him down, then they brought him back, and the way that he also was still learning defensively in the outfield, but we were starting to see that progress towards the end there. I'm excited to see just a full season of Jordan Walker and what he's going to be able to do. And the fact, too, that he has been able to really learn more things defensively, and also he spent a lot of this 
offseason working on, one, putting on some more weight, which I know that he's already a big guy, so that kind of sounds crazy as it is. But he was doing that to add a little bit more power. I'm excited for the future of Jordan Walker. I think that he is going to be the guy that everybody wants to see. So that would have been mine, but I did watch him for the majority of last year. So I'm going to pass on him. I'm going to go Mason Wynn, who only saw for a brief amount of time. Can't wait to can't wait to watch him play defense. And uh, can I have two here? Yes, you yeah, may. Uh, Victor Scott. Mm-hmm. I want to see some speed, man. I want to get speed in the lineup and just see what could happen once he's in the major leagues. My guess would be he makes his major league debut at some point this year. So those two. I love defense. I love speed. And maybe you get a combination of both. Yeah, uh, that, that's a great call. One of the reasons that the Cardinals only won 71 games last year, and obviously the World Baseball Classic had something to do with it. But the other thing was, according to John Mozeliak, uh, they lost Wilking Rodriguez during spring training. Uh, the big right-hander, well, not that big, he's 6'1", 180. But the Venezuelan right-hander will be available to the Cardinals in 2024. I'm really excited about seeing a guy who has that dramatic of an effect on a franchise be able to pitch for the team. Oh, by the way... He has not pitched in the majors since 2014, so I want to see that anniversary, too, uh, that he gets an opportunity. The other player that I'm interested in seeing, and I hope we can for a full season because he changed his popcorn eating habits, is Nolan Gorman. (laughs) Nolan Gorman hit 27 home runs last year and was on a pace to hit 40. And I believe that he can be a 40 home run guy. I'm excited, even if he's just the DH, I'm excited about watching Nolan Gorman hit because he hits it hard. Mm -hmm. And if he can hit it more often and not strike out as much, he can be an impact player for the Cardinals. I I think that everybody has really, really good choices. And now, Dan, I think you have some interesting ones. One first question about Mason Wynn. How many stolen bases do you think he'll have this season? Uh, I think the better question would be how many times does he get on base? So I'm a little concerned that it it may take a little bit for him to make that jump. Now, he did do from single to double A. He took a while to adjust, double A to triple A, little time to adjust. We saw that last year. He hit under 140. Um, But I think if he gets on, Brooke, why not be a 20 stolen base guy in his initial full season? And Mm -hmm. last year in triple A, had a 359 on base. His career on base in the minors is strong. 2022, uh, he had... over the course of multiple teams in 2022, a 364 on base. He's had a 370. So he's been pretty consistent about getting on base and and taking pitches. I've always compared Dan his skill set to Trey Turner. Uh, he probably is going to be a little bit better defensively at, at shortstop than Trey Turner, but offensively his skill set kind of mirrors Turner's, and I would hope that he can become that kind of a guy. What do we got home runs-wise? I was thinking about power with Trey Turner. I don't know if Mason Wynn will hit for that kind of power. I'm thinking 15, 15 to yeah, 20. 10 to 15 for me. Yeah. I could see that. The Kingwood Cannon. I think that that would be a really good mark for him to hit. Now, Victor Scott, we did get some texts about that, too. What does that mean about Tommy Edmond? Where Where's Tommy Edmond going to fit into this equation? He'd well, be at short, I would imagine. Yeah. Or if somebody gets hurt at second base, he would have to move, but it would be dependent on injuries for him mm-hmm. to move. I, they really want him to play center field and run with yeah. it, and they feel he's a good defensive player uh, no matter where you put him, but I guess that would be dependent on injuries as you uh, move forward. We got some other texts just real quick from three and four. Wilson Contreras, that is another really good one. Mm-hmm. And especially now that he got there early, he's worked with the pitchers throughout spring training, is he going to be a better receiver than he was last year? That's a concern because... He better be. Yeah, to this point in his career, he is not. And so 
I'm intrigued about watching him play. I don't know if I'm excited, but I am intrigued to see Wilson Contreras play. And then the other one, I, I want to see Brendan Donovan play 150 games at mm-hmm. one spot and see what happens. How about uh, what you do with Contreras if Herrera is the backup that you think he can be? So how many games would you give Contreras behind the plate? I don't think he's played over like 120, 130 for a number of years now. Yeah. And you already have DHs in place. How does that curtail the playing time of Yvonne Herrera, who had a, a, a great offseason, too? It's just something to think about. I hope that they just get the guy that gives them the best chance to win that day into the lineup. Mm-hmm. And Gorman has had his injury issues in the past. I don't know if popcorn is going to solve those. Right. But, uh, I'm sure it's more than just popcorn. Well, he lost right? 10 pounds <laughs> yeah. with, with new popcorn. And, and hopefully, he'll, you know, he had a chance to work out more and get the back strengthened during the offseason. So hopefully he'll be more durable. But it, the Cardinals are going to have injuries. And they have the versatility of being able to use Herrera behind the plate and Contreras at DH if they need to. They can move Donovan around. They can move Edmund around. There's a lot of different things that Ali can do. I hope that they don't do that Unless it's out of necessity, though. I prefer to see just a regular lineup out there. That is our refresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our buddy Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic has a new piece about what he's hearing about Pavel Buchnevich. We're going to ask JR about that next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. News, notes, and nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite contractor. Our Blues insider from The Athletic is Jeremy Rutherford, who joins us on the Celebrity Line right now here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? We're doing great, and uh, we're intrigued because the name Pavel Buchnevich keeps coming up in trade rumors, whether it's national or in The Athletic or here at 101 ESPN. And you have a piece up at uh, The Athletic about what you're hearing about Pavel Buchnevich. If you can give us the 30-second the to 60-second to capsule about what you're hearing, what, what's your big takeaway? Yeah, I think this is what I, why I wanted to address this because there is so much uh, talk about it. And, and Blues fans might be saying, Pavel Buchnevich, why would you want to trade him? I don't think the Blues, Doug Armstrong, anybody expected to be in this type of situation with Buchnevich. But here's the takeaway, Randy. The Blues are obviously in a retool. Pavel Buchnevich has one more year left on his contract. He'll be 30 when he, signs his, uh, when he starts his next contract. It could be an eight times eight. Are we looking at a situation where you'd want to give a contract to a guy, you know, into his late thirties? And in the meantime, the market is lean for wingers. So you're looking at a situation where Jake Gensel, who's hurt by the way, with the Pittsburgh Penguins, is the top winger available at the trade deadline. A guy like Pavel Buchnevich is next. Could the Blues get a first rounder? Could they get two first rounders? I think that's why Doug Armstrong has to listen to anything, even if he decides not to trade Pavel Buchnevich. Wow. Yeah, that is the situation that they're in right now. So, Jeremy, just at this moment currently, do you see the Blues being buyer sellers or just standing pat at the deadline? Well, the way I see it, and we can talk about these last few games before the March 8th trade deadline, Brooke, but I think Doug Armstrong knows he's got a real good handle for what type of team he's got every single year and where they're at heading into the deadline. And I think he knows that this isn't a team that's going to go a few rounds in the playoffs. And I think that he needs to, and he probably realizes stick to uh, his original plan with the retool yet to be competitive uh, during it. So you've got some unrestricted free agents. We've talked about them, Scandella, 
Stunquist, Kapanen, those guys, you know, is it worth it to move them for a draft pick, fourth or fifth round, and then potentially miss the playoffs? I think that's probably a reason why you'd hang on to those guys. And then these guys with term, like Buchnevich, you know, those are bigger picture questions that would have to be addressed individually. But I could see him standing pat and maybe, maybe, maybe trying to add a middle sticks forward heading into the deadline. Okay, JR, Bolduc uh, makes his debut tonight. The Blues need more secondary scoring. It really has been the top line and Jake Neighbors. They need more than that. So how about your expectations for this young man who will get a little run here with the Blues? Yeah, it's going to be fun. First, Danny, i got to tell you, I said, hey, did your folks, do they have enough time? Did they get enough warning to be able to make it into St. Louis for your debut? And he said, actually, they left yesterday for Mexico. So there's going to be one TV in Mexico tonight that has the Blues game on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, I think this is a a, a pretty strong statement. First of all, they wanted to keep Bolduc in Springfield the entire season. I think it's a change of plan uh, to bring him up. But they need it. They need some five-on-five scoring. And this is a statement, I think, to the rest of the team, the rest of the offense, uh, that they're putting him in the top six. He's going to play on a line with Jake Neighbors and Braden Shen tonight on that right side playing right wing. So the offensive numbers haven't been great for Bolduc in Springfield this year, uh, but he's playing better at, of late. He really wanted to focus on that defensive game. He said it's gotten better. Uh, we'll get a look at him, our first look tonight. Hey, JR, I want to go back to Buchnevich for one moment uh, with a couple of things. Number one, does he have a no trade? And number two, do the Blues need or could they use his salary cap space by moving him? Yeah, so he does have a modified no trade clause. It's a 12-team no trade list. They turn that in uh, to the Blues, so the Blues are aware that the 12 teams that he cannot go to. And sure, yeah, so he's got a $5.8 million salary cap hit this year. And next, obviously, as it gets later into the year, you know, it's it's less for uh, uh, opposing clubs to take on. But for contenders, usually you're up against the cap as it is. It'll be tough to uh, sneak in his $5.8 million into another team's salary unless they're sending players back uh, or if Doug Armstrong were by chance retaining. But I can't picture in a million years that uh, they'd be retaining salary. So, yes, the Blues would get uh, some cal- some salary cap space by trading him but uh, I can't see that they would be uh, using it this year if they've kind of folded their cards by trading Pavel Buchnevich. JR, I know that you've been busy following everything with the trade deadline, but I saw that you're also working on a fun story where you were following Robert Thomas's family. Was there anything interesting? I know that I'm sure that story's coming out soon. Is there in- anything interesting that you got from that? Yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, first of all, uh, what, a, what a great family. Uh, Scott and Deb, uh, I took a train from... Toronto to Aurora. It's about 45 minutes away, and there's uh, Scott in his uh, black Ford 150 truck picking you up. And you know, he he sent a text that said, uh, "Hey, what do you want for dinner?" And sent like three or four options. It says on Robert Thomas's Wikipedia page, and you guys should ask him this next time you have him on his regular show uh, that his dad's a, a chef, and I'll vouch for that. Although Scott said that that's wrong, and they should take that off of Wikipedia mm. that uh, the dad's a chef. But uh, just hanging out with them for about three hours in their kitchen. Uh, talking to them, so many stories. And the one that sticks out, uh, Brooke, to me, is that uh, Robert Thomas had a choice to go to college or go to junior hockey. And his mom and dad told him to weigh the pros and cons. And go. he went upstairs into his room, took a piece of paper, jotted down some pros and cons, and he came downstairs and he looked at his mom and dad and he said, I want to go to junior hockey. I can do this. I can make it. And they said, OK, Robert, we're going to give you that chance. And of course, he went on and won a Memorial Cup and then a World Junior Championship and then a Stanley Cup with the Blues. So Robert Thomas, a determined young guy. And that's the, the piece that I hope to uh, convey in the article when it comes out after the trade deadline. 
Uh, all right, JR, I, I want to go back to the cooking here because Robert does tell us that when his parents come to town, his dad generally does the cooking. W- was it chef quality food that you ate? Oh, it was unbelievable. First of all, the options. He said, do you want the veal marsala? Do you want the chicken parm? I figured being a big guy, I can't vote for the chicken parm, right? So uh, <laughs> he said, uh, "He said, what about this uh, marry me chicken? So I Googled it. You guys, if you're, if you're not familiar with it, I think it's a dish where, you know, if somebody makes it for you, uh, you want to marry them. It's so good. And it was. But I told him he looked like Rachel Ray over at the uh, stove, just flipping pans and stuff's flying in the air and, you know, landing in the uh, – in the dish, and it was super quality. And I'll tell you this, uh, if I haven't already, his mom is famous for her chocolate chip cookies. Everybody knows about them. She brings them to St. Louis when she comes here. When he won the Stanley Cup, he had a uh, all the sta- all the chocolate chip cookies in the Stanley Cup. And uh, he said that Keith and Chantel Kachuk, very familiar with the cookies, they love them. So we took a picture of myself and Deb Thomas eating one of the cookies, and, and we sent it to uh, Keith and Chantel. And Keith, of course, replied. JR, lay off the cookies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, JR, eight games left before the trade deadline. I want to go back to it just for a moment. I'm going to throw some names out to you. Casperi Kapanen, Marco Scandella. Um, how about an Oscar Sunquist? Do you think these guys could be on the move? And what would you fetch for them if uh, you're the St. Louis Blues? Yeah, I suppose, Dan, that if you, you know, if there's any interest around the league, which I think there could be in Scandella, and people might question that, but. He's played pretty well, but also teams are looking for a seventh, eighth defenseman if if they've already got their top six uh, heading into the playoffs. You need to be deep in that area. So to me, he's the guy that's most intriguing, but still it's a mid-round uh, draft pick. Capping in the offense just hasn't been there. 15 points this season, I can't see unless the team's really looking for some depth that they'd want to bring him in. Again, that's a flyer draft pick. Um, and, and Sunquist. I'd sort of be, and I haven't heard this from anybody, but I'd be surprised if the Blues didn't try to bring him back. He loves it here. He's a great player. He can help you during this retool. He's cheap. He's inexpensive. And uh, you could re-sign him and bring him back to be uh, on your fourth line next year. And I know that uh, that Justin Falk was skating. Any indication at all, JR, as to how long Justin Falk is going to be out? No, that's a bit of a, a mystery there because, uh, you know, it was just a week or so ago that Drew Bannister said he wasn't close. Then he goes on LTIR but he's already served his time and, and games played on the LTIR, so he's able to come off at any point. But still, once he got that designation, you didn't expect to uh, see him on the ice the next day. He did skate yesterday, but afterwards, uh, Drew Bannister said what he said recently. He said that I don't think uh, he's close to playing here. So um, he looked pretty good on the ice. He was moving around pretty good, but uh, I think they're going to continue to practice him and see where it goes. Jeremy Rutherford, we love your work at The Athletic. Thanks for the piece on Pavel Buchnevich. We advise everybody to read that and the Robert Thomas family piece coming up. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good weekend, guys. You too. That's Jeremy Rutherford, Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, I guess we need a fighter, huh? No, you're facing Adam. Oh, we got Adam again. Adam Adam is back. Yeah. Adam again. Retribution. Retribution. I don't know if it's that. He just justice for Adam. Justice for Adam. He there needs you it. Go. He, he deserves it. Are you ready though to take on Adam? I have no idea day to day whether I'm ready or not, Dan. But I hope I am. I do too. Yeah. The fight <laughs> is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the
Brooke, Dan, and Brady here, and it is time for the fight and for round two today after just a wee bit of controversy, just a wee bit of controversy, we bring back Adam. Adam, how are you doing today? Adam? I'm great. Oh, there you are. Are you excited for round two? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Any words of encouragement, Dan? No, no, he's ready. So let's do it. Let's jump right into it because we have the Battlehawks head coach coming up. Oh, that's right. All right. Question number one, Adam. Since 2013, the Cardinals have won gold gloves at every position except for shortstop. Who is the last Cardinal to win the award? Is it David Eckstein, Johnny Peralta, or Edgar Renteria? Mm. Let's go Renteria. Is that your final answer, sir? Okay, question two. Dr. J won a single NBA title, but captured two in the ABA. With which franchise did he win his pair of ABA titles? Virginia Squires, Kentucky Colonels, or the New York Nets? Virginia Squires. On to question three, and away we go. In addition to Nolan Arenado, there are two other third basemen with multiple cycles. Which Cardinals third baseman achieved that feat, hitting both with the Cardinals? Is it Scott Rowland, Fernando Tatis, or Kim Boyer? Repeat the question again. In addition to Nolan Arenado, there are two other third basemen with multiple cycles. Which Cardinals third baseman achieved the feat, hitting both with the Cardinals? Scott Rowland, Fernando Tatis, or Kim Boyer? Let's go Boyer. All right, and question four. Which current NHL skater is currently tied with Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy for the most 50-plus goal seasons in their career? Is it Steven Stamkos, Sidney Crosby, or Alexander Ovechkin? Alexander Ovechkin. All right, Adam. We're going to bring in Randy. He has been uh, taken outside the studio. Rock takes off his headsets and then goes and gets Randy. How are you feeling about the fight today? Well, it was a little uh, muffled, but I'm assuming (laughs) that you said that you feel very confident about beating Randy today. So say good morning to uh, Randy for round two between you two. Hey, Randy. Adam, good morning. Welcome back. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Thank you. All right, Randy. Question number one. Since 2013, the Cardinals have won gold gloves at every position except for shortstop. Who is the last Cardinal to win the award? The last Cardinal shortstop to win the award. And you said since 2013? Yes. They haven't won? I'm guessing Khalil Green did not, so I'll scratch him off the list. Um, awful. Awful. Go right ahead, Randy. Horrible. Let's get to the Just answer. Terrible. <laughs> Randy, we gotta get rolling here. I will. Uh, uh, I don't. Uh, it's, it's tourists didn't win one here. We had a run of shortstops here. There's like 10 in a row on yeah, opening day. Yeah, right. Uh, Brendan Ryan, Superfluous H. I'm thinking maybe Renteria won one, so I will go with Edgar. Question two Dr. J won a single NBA title but captured two in the ABA. With which franchise did he win his pair of ABA titles? Oh, man. Broke our hearts, didn't they? Uh, It was the New Jersey Nets. Question three. In addition to Nolan Arenado, there are two other third basemen with multiple cycles. Which Cardinals third baseman achieved the feat, hitting both with the Cardinals? 
uh, cardinal that hit for the cycle. I am going to say that Ken Boyer did that. I'm going to go with Ken Boyer. Question four. Which current NHL skater is currently tied with Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy for the most 50-goal seasons in their career? Which current NHL skater is tied with Bossy and Gretzky for the most 50-goal seasons? I would think that it would be Alex Ovechkin. I'll do the lifeline, though, Dan, just in case. Steven Stamkos, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin. I'm going to go with Ovi. Okay. All right, Matthew, what do you got? Well, Danny, what I have is a winner of today's fight. You can go ahead and ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by CarShield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. Just win, baby. Yeah, I got it. I'm so sorry, Adam. It was the Dr. J question is what tripped you up. Randy Carricker beat you 4-3. to three. It was a very good fight today. Uh, congrats, Randy. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And uh, congratulations to you on a, on a terrific run. Three is really good. That was a hard one. Yeah, let's go through the uh, answers and the questions. And that one, since 2013, the Cardinals have won gold gloves at every position, including utility, um, but not shortstop. The last Cardinal to win an award there 10 years before this current run was Edgar Renteria, who won it for the who won it in 02 and 03. No Dr. Khalil J Green, then. won a single NBA title, don't say it, but captured <laughs> two in the ABA. He won his... Uh, he won his two ABA titles with the Nets. Uh, in addition to Nolan Arenado. Oh, by the way, two... one year the Spirits of St. Louis did knock the Nets out of the playoffs. They did. Um, I believe that was the, was that the other uh, Kentucky team one. I think it might have been that year. There are two other third basemen with multiple cycles. Which Cardinals third baseman is one of them and hit both of them with the Cardinals? It was, in fact, Ken Boyer. And which current NHL skater is currently tied with Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy for the most 50-plus goal seasons in their career with nine? It is, in fact, Alexander Ovechkin. So a 4-3 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Adam, thank Thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show the last two days. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, Randy. Let's go to Anthony Beck. I kill me. Oh, yeah. no. No, 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 no. Oh, I got so many, but I'm not going to use them. Uh, coming up next, Anthony Beck has his coaching staff together, and he has his quarterback back. The Battlehawks coach joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Got word yesterday that Anthony Becht, the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks, has his coaching staff for 2024 together. He's bringing back his two coordinators from last year. And we learned last week that the quarterback, A.J. McCarron, also is coming back for the Battlehawks in 2024. We head to the celebrity line now. And Battlehawks head coach Anthony Becht, kind enough to join us. Good morning, sir. How you doing? All is good, guys. Good morning. It's great to be on. We always like having you. Brooke Grimsley is here, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker. And first of all, I was thinking about this last night because I've always talked to coaches about the chemistry of coaching staff. How important is it for you to have a level of continuity among your staff heading into the 2024 season? Yeah, you know, in a perfect scenario, you'd love to have that. I mean, you know, in the NFL, in college, you have really unlimited resources. When you're in spring leagues, that start up, there, there's always a changing model. So, you know, we mentioned this on the previous uh, interview before when I was talking about our staff. 
is, you know, this year we had to go from 10 to 8. And then the schedule and the season changed. So that didn't work for a few coaches. A lot of people were asking me about Ricky Prohl and, and why, you know, he isn't coming back. Well, it's a schedule conflict. You know, he's got his foundation. He's got a lot of things happening late in the spring, early in the summer. And it just is a little bit of a conflict. So, again, a guy that loves it, wants to be here, but be a part of it. But we had to make those changes along with the staff movement and cuts so yeah continuity is great it, our coordinators i think are the biggest key right as long as the coordinators are the same that that's the biggest thing we don't want to have that fluctuate uh, fluctuation so you know donnie being back at the dc and then of course bruce uh that that's where it's strong and, and that's where you need it to be the same coach also some exciting news recently that aj mccarran is returning back i think a lot of fans were excited to hear that even asking to be cut reportedly by the Bengals so that he can return what is it going to be like having aj back here well, yeah, AJ was fantastic last season. You know, obviously not playing uh, for really that starting role for really since college. You know, he didn't play many NFL games, and getting that chance to kind of revive himself, getting that chance to go back into the NFL, you know, work his way to be a backup because of Joe Barrow's injury, and then of course wanting to come back. I mean, we had plenty of open discussion, plenty of conversation. I think AJ just had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He kind of wanted one last hurrah to kind of. Uh, you know, feel like you were really close and, and, and there's some unfinished business. And, and we had that conversation and uh, he's fired up, ready to go. So, you know, again, having him back is great. We added Brandon Silvers, uh, you know, Nick Tiano obviously decided to move, move on. So, you know, we were able to get a guy that can step in, won six games in our league last year with Houston. Uh, and the fact that he's taken that step back and, and wants to be part of what we're doing speaks volume about him and his leadership qualities. And, of course, we have Manny as well. So, really, again, we've, I've always talked about I really love our, our, our quarterback room. But to have A.J. back, to have that sense of, uh, you know, uh, you talk about continuity, that, that's big as well for our offense. Coach, I know you're, you're diving into the X's and O's and roster construction and all those things and practices. But what are you hearing about the not only the ticket sales, but the interest here in St. Louis and how it compares to other teams in the league? Well, there's us right at the top. You get that big ladder out of your garage and like extend it to 17, 20 feet and then climb to the top. And then the person that's holding the ladder on the bottom, that's all the other teams. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. Every, everybody has is having a ton of success selling tickets. I mean, we, we want to have fans come to every city, and they are. I mean, uh, these markets were picked for a reason. But clearly, obviously, St. Louis uh, leads the way. And I, I love the fact that I'm hearing more 400-level tickets uh, areas and sections have been open. I mean, um, just, just a great uh, opportunity for the fan base if you hadn't tried to check it out. Also, I believe today – and roughly about an hour, single game tickets go on sale. I know a lot of people in my my Twitter uh, timelines have been asking about when that's happening. So you'll be able to go to dufl.com, check out those tickets, and get that uh, get that opportunity as well. So, uh, listen, I you know we we come back home week two, and I, I do want to shatter uh, attendance records, and I think we're in line to do that. So again, let's just keep. Knocking it out. I love our schedule. Every every other week we're at home, so we don't have any back-to-back games. So it really gives our fan base an opportunity to kind of set their schedules, you know, figure out where they want to go, how many games they want to go to. And, of course, you know, on my end, delivering a great product. We really love our roster. We added some really key pieces. I'm excited about what this the potential this team can be. But we have to go do it, and that's my job starting, obviously, this weekend when the players come. 
to get these guys ready to go. And there'll be some tough decisions uh, to cut down our roster from 75 to 50 in just uh, about a month. Okay, you mentioned bringing in a couple of key pieces. You already mentioned one quarterback. But give us a couple of names that we can keep an eye or an ear on that you're really excited about. Well, listen, you know, offensively speaks for itself. I think we, you know, arguably had two of the best receivers, uh, really best receiving core in the league. Well, we had uh, Jakari Pearson, who was the number one statistical receiver in the league. So, you know, again, harping to Bruce, our offensive coordinator, the challenge of distributing the football and getting these guys the ball in their hands. Uh, defensively, we added the MVP of our league last year, PETA. Team uh, Tawana Penanu, excuse me for saying his name wrong, I'm just going to call him PETA, but PETA does a great job for us. Uh, he's going to be uh, an instant impact in really elevating our, our pass rush. Uh, and even with our, our late sign, with uh, Austin Foley, uh, defensive tackle, Antoine Jackson, another inside guy, you know, we talked about some of our opponents that we play twice, like the D.C. defenders who like to run the football. You know, we weren't really built to stop the run inside. We weren't a very big team. Well, now we've added some bigger bodies and some competition there and really just revamping our secondary. You know, we lost some guys in the NFL, some future contracts, really proud of that, you know, leading the way with 16 guys in camp, but several of them decided to stay in the NFL. Well, you know, we, we got a lot of competition going on in the secondary for our team. So I, I would expect us to be much more better uh, on the defensive side of the ball as well. Coach, I think that this is just a report as of right now. There's reports that St. Louis will be hosting the UFL championship. I don't know if that has been confirmed or not, but what would it mean to be able to host the UFL championship here? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, to, to have our fans see us in that game, if potentially that's where we're going to have it, would be awesome, right? So, you know, that puts a, a little bit more added pressure on us to, to do what we need to do to be in that game. I think everybody's obviously their end goal is to get there. Um, you know, we have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because of last year. We felt like we had a really good season and we kind of came up short, regardless how it happened. We didn't have enough games to get us into the show, and that's the goal. So, uh, you know, this year, you know, every game we're looking at it, the message of the team is a single-game championship. we got to treat every game like it's the last one on our on our schedule, and, like, that's the one that has to be won to get us in because we don't know uh, which games are going to make the difference throughout the season. So uh, if that does get announced, uh, that would be exciting. But clearly a long way out. It'd be, it'd be really great for the fans. The place would be rocking. I, I can promise you there wouldn't be an empty seat. But, uh, you know, until we get to that point, man, that, you know, again, working it week to week with our players, you know, trying to find our roster, getting our offense so we can start fast this year. You know, I love to win the game through four quarters of football in week one instead of maybe the last minute and 28 seconds like we did last <laughs> year against San Antonio. It's kind of questioning my skill as a coach. You know, like, what did I get myself into? But, you know, obviously you saw how we developed throughout the season. So, again, starting fast this year and getting us to that point where we have an, an opportunity to maybe get to that championship game is exciting. Coach, uh, guys are close to the NFL, and we know that. The quality of the league is very good. What do you look for as a coach to get them to the next level and, and be able to play in the National Football League? Yeah, I think a lot of these players have holes that need to be filled. And I think if you look at the players, it's a lot of different areas. It's uh, It could be their, their game on the field. They have the, the tangibles, the size, the speed. But, you know, maybe it's something, you know, receivers, the way they run their routes, how, how the discipline of, you know, how they learn the system. Maybe they don't know how to study as a pro. You know, how do, they, how do we impl- – uh, 
put put in place a, a way that everybody can learn. Yet, you know, it's it's different so that you know it's either board work or we go and walk through or we you know it's one on one. Have already an iPad different types of that. And then it's, you know, sometimes the, the, the person stopping the player is the outside things, the, 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 the things they're dealing with that have nothing to do with football. And I asked my, my staff and, and for sure myself that my door is always open to help guys and mentor them as well. So yeah, you know, you can look at this thing, Hey, it's a coaching opportunity. You know, we're coming in, I got a coordinator, this guy coach receivers, but I really, you know, again, I think it's important to build trust and relationships because quite frankly, a lot of these players, probably lost some trust in some areas because they're not where they want to be or they haven't been where they're at. And uh, they're really hungry. I think the biggest thing is when they come in, and this was evident in, in uh, 19 when I was with the AAF, like not knowing like, okay, are these guys doubt in? Like they, they are ready to go. They want to learn. And I think it was important for me when I put together my staff, maybe different than other teams is, yeah, you can have long tenured coaches. You have different things. I love the coach that has played the game at a very high level, but understands how to dictate that information from start to finish. So it's not, okay, well, this is the way I did it. And this is the way I expect it. Our staff has done it at a high level, but they know how to develop. And I think that's the key when you're looking for coaches and you look at that model in the NFL, there's a lot of former players. Now there used to be a stigma. Oh, those guys, they want to get into coaching. It's the hours. Well, you know what? It's a different time. Players want that knowledge and information. And I think even in the NFL level, they want to gain that uh, from guys that had that experience. But again, not all former players can coach. And that's not just being disrespectful. It's just some guys just have played at a level that, you know, again, they just expect that, that guys automatically do it that way. But that's, that's not the case. So, again, finding that right niche of, of staff and, and, and really helping those players develop and fill in those holes. They're small holes, but those holes are the difference between our league and maybe getting them a chance at the next one. Coach, uh, defensive pass interference in the UFL will be a 15-yard penalty or a spot foul if less than 15 yards downfield, unless it's intentional, as determined by the officials. As an old tight end, I know you really aren't concerned about the feelings of, of defensive backs and linebackers, but how do you feel about that rule where teams just can't throw it downfield and hope for a pass interference? Yeah, and, you know, obviously, you know, depending on what side of the football you're on, you, you, you like the rule, you don't. I mean, uh, but I, I do like it. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'd hate to see, a, you know, sometimes those balls get thrown way down the field and, you know, incidental contact is so close. Um, you know, those are tough judgmental uh, objective calls for, uh, excuse me, subjective calls for, for those officials where it's like, okay, you know, we don't get crushed if it were for to happen. And, and you know, like, okay, we'll take the 15 yards. So I'm good with it either way. Uh, I don't want it to be too game changing. I mean, you, you want to see good technique, but uh, listen, this is an offensive league. The, the NFL is the same way. Like, they want offenses. So, you know, for us to not totally, uh, you know, take advantage of that rule and say, hey, it's a spot. And, I, and that would be something on the table for, for the NFL to maybe to look into as well. But I, I like it. I think I think that, you know, you shouldn't be uh, totally uh, devastated by, by a potential uh, foul that, you know, sometimes people see it differently. So uh, I'm all in favor for it. You've been around football for so long. Is there a coach that you try to emulate or somebody that had a philosophy that uh, you take to the Battle Hawks and what you do as a coach? Yeah, you know, I, I've been around a lot of, you know, head coaches, uh, coaches that got fired and, you know, replacement coaches. And then, of course, you know, assistant coaches everybody's got their way their flavor um on how they go about things day to day i think it's all about just pulling what you can i mean you see uh there's players uh, excuse me coaches now that are you know uh, player friendly coaches 
uh, mild manner. You know, Tony Dungy was a guy that just, you know, I don't think he ever raised his voice, but he was able to teach at a high level and win championships. Um, you know, for me, I just, you know, it's, it's about what I believe in. I think that I can be any facet of a coach, you know, if I need to be demanding or I need to be, uh, you know, pull a guy aside and, and, and talk to him, or if I need to motivate or whatever that may be, you have to adapt to the player, to the team that you have. And every year we got different players and, and different teams. I think that the main thing is, is the preparation, the culture and understanding that, you know, the players understand what, what the task is at hand and what we're trying to accomplish and, and, and really conveying that information properly. And then you can build and really, uh, you know, create what you want uh, from your team. So I, I got to get them to trust me. I think that's the biggest thing. So when they trust me, they trusted me last year and, you know, they bought in. And I think, again, I have the trust of, of 40 guys that we were able to protect. Now these new players that come in and they're going to have to, you know, get with the other guys. They're going to have to, you know, our, our guys have to police the team. And I want that. I want our team to be policed by our leaders that we have. And, and of course, I'll set those ground rules and, and they'll know. But after, as we move forward into the, into the training camp, into the season, I want my team to police themselves. And, and I think that's good because we do have a lot of returning key players, like we mentioned earlier. Finally, Anthony Beck, has it struck you that the last five Super Bowl champions, Chiefs, Bucks, Rams, Chiefs, Chiefs, were all franchises that Anthony Beck played for? You always have some somebody to root for, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you leave your legacy. You know, I, I haven't got any calls to put my uh, jersey in the rafters yet, but that's okay. I mean, you know, privately, uh, somewhere there's a, there's a little picture of me in the, in the media guide, you know, uh, shake it, you know, high five in one of the great players. Oh, no, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, listen, uh, you know, I, Missouri is, is obviously a very popular uh, state in general for obviously with Kansas City. So we got to join that crowd. We got to, we got to bring it, you know, a little bit of that, uh, that championship feel, um, you know, to the other side of the state. So I'm uh, really excited. I love our fan base. Everybody's been awesome. And I'm really excited to see everybody uh, in that second week of the season. I think players, some of our new coaches are really excited as well to come out of that tunnel. It's, it's a different, it's a different deal. And uh, we'll be ready to rock and roll uh, week two when we come home. Looking forward to it, Anthony. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Great, guys. Thanks for talking to you. See you. See you later. Anthony Beck, head coach of the Battlehawks on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our Rush Hour Reset. Stick around. We've got more coming your way here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Coming up in the next segment, we want to hear from you. Who's the face of St. Louis sports right now? Who is the face of St. Louis sports? A lot happening. The Blues and the Islanders tonight, 7 o'clock face-off. 6 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. And then the Blues will take off for Detroit, play at Detroit on Saturday. Illinois falls to Penn State last night, 90-89. The Illini were up 89-82 with 36 seconds left and wound up losing that game. Not great. Ooh, how does that happen? Uh, not playing great defense, not hitting your shots, and then fouling a really good free throw shooter from three-point land with three seconds left in the game. You know how hard that is to do that? I mean, you are you need one possession and then hit your free throws and it's over. So should, they should couldn't do simple. that. Yeah, that's yeah. hard to do. Yeah. But they did it. 
Hey, congratulations to the Incarnate Word girls basketball team. They extended their win streak to 125 games last night at Incarnate Word. They knocked off Burroughs by a score of 52-46. to 46. It, was, it was quite a game. Uh, it was 40-40 headed into the fourth quarter. And congratulations to the Incarnate Word girls. Dan Rolfus and his group do magnificent work, and they keep it going with a state record-winning streak. All right, guys. Oh, go oh, right no, ahead, go Brooke. Ahead. No, go no, ahead. I was, I was just going to say everybody should go to one of their games because it's so good to see. Now, if they lost, Randy, would you be allowed back? No, I, I talked to Coach <laughs> afterwards, and no, I would not be invited back if they would have lost. Was he uh, acting like a coach? Well, we didn't play well. We could have done this. Or was he like, yeah, we won. We squeaked nope. it out. We're happy. Total coach. Yeah. Mm. Total. Coaches are never happy. Never. And, and actually with, with him, this – this game is perfect for them heading into the playoffs. A little eye-opener. Yeah. Get you back on edge. Yeah. You know what happened 44 years ago today? 44 years ago today. That would, Let me get the year here. Uh, so that would have been This is like a fight question. 1980. Yeah. Uh, 222, February 22nd, 1980. No, I don't. Miracle on Ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Miracle on Ice, and I have Randy to thank me, uh, to thank him, not thank me, um, (laughs) because you had, Al Michaels was coming out to Rams Park, and I had a big picture of the final when they're all just, you know, piling on each other after the Miracle on Ice, and uh, I have a, a signed picture that says, do you believe in miracles, Al Michaels? And wow. I appreciate that, Randall. You're very welcome. I think we got three of them done, right? We auctioned a couple off. Yep, we did. And I asked Al Michaels, we were in the lobby at Rams Park, and I said, was this the coolest thing you ever did? And he said, oh, not even close. And it always will be. The The, the Miracle on Ice was always going to be Al Michaels' highlight moment. He's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of the greatest announcers ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the Super Bowls, Miracle on Ice, one of the most iconic, famous calls, if not the most, in the history of sports. So... Pretty awesome. Yeah. He, he was yes! There it goes. There you go. <laughs> Ken Ryden was his color commentator. Yep. And uh, and it was on tape delay. Yeah. Remember? Well, I remember on KMOX, Jack Buck got the score, and they, somebody handed it to him because he was on the air, and he says, is this right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because they'd been smoked, as we know, from the documentary, which yep. you can see on YouTube, and the movie Miracle. They'd been smoked by the Russians the Soviet Union, uh, at Madison Square Garden just weeks earlier. I think it was 12 to 2 or something like that. Skating rings around him. Yeah. I mean, it was not even close. So uh, what, a, what a great memory. Highest impact sports moment of my life. I think it might be for me, too. It was I was a young, young kid, but, I mean, I remember it and uh, remember it fondly and sitting in our living room to watch it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was young. I was like six or seven years old, and it yeah. still has an impact with me today. And something – that only sports can do it. Compl- and our country was in bad shape then, but it galvanized the country. Absolutely, that's mm-hmm. the one thing I remember probably most about it as I reflect on it. Not at the time, but I reflect on it now, mm-hmm. and it, it was a galvanizing moment in sports and for our country. If you follow Uncle Charlie Adam Wainwright on the X, he's going to be appearing at the Grand Ole Opry. Congratulations to Wayno and his first album. Drops tomorrow. So if you are uh, somebody that gets the the Apple Music or the Google Music or whatever, you, I guess it's YouTube. They don't do Google Music anymore. But YouTube <laughs> Music, uh, you'll be able to get Wayno's first album if you so desire. He is busy. So not only is he going to be broadcasting, but now he's going to be a country music superstar and performing at the Grand Ole Opry. That's a pretty mm-hmm. big deal to perform at the Grand Ole Opry. It'll be awesome for him. Yeah, it will. And one other note here. Did you guys see this? And why, why would it? 
Antonio Pierce do this, the new head coach of the Raiders, saying, yeah, we've developed some Mahomes rules here. Why would you poke the bear? He, he said, yeah, we, we've got a plan to, to beat Patrick Mahomes. No, you don't. <laughs> you, you have to catch him on an off day like Christmas Day when he didn't play well against you. All you've done is fire the guy up now. You think Patrick Mahomes is ever going to lose to an Antonio Pierce coach Raiders team now? No. They're going to be fired up to play him, too. Remember, that was the Christmas Day loss that Andy Reid pointed to and said, Mm -hmm. this is the game that helped us because, like Dan Rolfes last night, it got us back on track. It it made sure that we focused going into postseason play. So you can thank Antonio Pierce for poking the bear. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. And and then he has to reference. He said, well, that's what the Pistons did to Michael Jordan. Yeah. Well, how'd that work out for the Pistons <laughs> right. after the two championships? Come <laughs> not on. well. No, not at all. Yeah. So he kind of took it to him. So yeah. come on, Antonio. Be I'm sure that Patrick Mahomes won't even think about that. No. No. no here's a guy that threw a touchdown pass in a Sunday night game and is counting on his fingers up to 10 <laughs> because he was the 10th pick in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, Brady never forgot that he was a sixth-round pick. And no. uh, the, I, I uh, actually referenced the story on social media. Anthony Smith, a safety who wound up with the Rams. Uh, 2007, the Patriots are 12-0, and and Anthony Smith of the Steelers at the time guarantees victory. And I think it was on the first Patriots snap of the game, Brady throws some, something like a 60-yard touchdown pass, runs as fast as he can down the field to get into Anthony Smith's face and pointing at his face. And then he does it again. Then he does it a third time. And I think Anthony Smith probably got the message at that point. You don't poke the bear. No. It's just not a good thing to not do. Not in sports. Yep. Don't give him any more motivation yeah. that, uh, I mean, winning is the ultimate thing you want to do. But mm. to get to that point, you poke the bear, good luck. Yeah. Don't tug on Superman's cape. No. Uh, that's your Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming Jim up. Croce. Yeah. Don't yeah. spit into the wind. Don't knock the mask off the old Lone Ranger. And you don't mess around with Jim. Or eventually slim. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who's the face of St. Louis sports right now? We've got our answers next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back in 2000, the Sporting News had a cover that said, St. Louis, best sports city. And there was a photo that included Chris Pronger and Kurt Warner and Mark McGuire, for whatever reason, couldn't come out and do the photo with those two. It was taken at Bush Stadium, and Jim Edmonds wound up being on the cover of that sporting news. We had multiple faces of the city. Al McKinnis was still with the Blues. You you really had the Cardinals rolling at that point uh, with a lot of popular players, and obviously with the Rams, you had Warner, Falk, Bruce, Holt, Pace, you had uh, Mike March, you you had so many different possibilities as the the face of St. Louis sports. And Dan asked the question yesterday, and I think it's a really interesting one. Who is the face of St. Louis sports right now? I thought about this a lot. I think it's Ozzy. Mm, That's a good one. That is a good one. And Ozzy's going to be joining us. He's going to do Radio Row here at... uh, 101 ESPN, The Arch. He's going to go down to The Riz Show. And that's coming up, I think, in a week or two. He's going to be in studio. But that that's a good choice. Yeah. I like that I mean, choice. It, it is. If, if somebody says, if somebody sees somebody that they, they associate with St. Louis right now, I think it would be The Wizard. Yeah. And also everything that he does within the community, too. He is everywhere. Everything mm-hmm. he's done for golf in the community huge. as well. Yes, that is a huge part of it. For me, I'm going more of the current sports angle 
My first thought was Nolan Arenado because that is the name when you think of with the Cardinals. That's the name that everybody talks about. He's one of the top third basemen in all of baseball. And I know that we talked about that top 100 list that MLB Network has a little bit earlier with Greg. And he went from number six last year on that list to number 33. I still believe that we're going to see a much better Nolan Arenado this season. And I think that he's the face, the current face of St. Louis sports currently. I don't have a clear-cut favorite, but if I went with one, I'd go Paul Goldschmidt. And I know people would say, ah, he's not vocal. You don't see him a lot. You know, he's kind of quiet. I just, I think you are taking him for granted. He's won an MVP. He was acquired in 2019. Since that time, among first basemen, he's second in war. We're talking about a seven-time All-Star, five silver sluggers. And I think we're talking about a future Hall of Famer, especially if he signs an extension. His war is 61.7. The average war of first baseman in the Hall of Fame is 64.8. He's going to get there. Yep. So I, I think right now he would be my face of St. Louis sports. I just he, he does a lot of behind the scenes charitable efforts. So I, I just kind of think that that because he's not vocal and you don't see him a lot, that he gets taken for granted. Mm-hmm. But he'd be my guy. How about this text from the 314? Roman Berkey, Edward Leuven, Zhao Klaus, those three as the faces of St. Louis sports right now. I actually had Berkey on my list. Mm-hmm. Goalie, making some mm-hmm. great saves, had a good year. What about Tim Parker? Yeah. That'd be another one. But I think if you go around the country and you ask who, what athlete you associate with St. Louis sports, for sure. I think at this point, nationally, those guys just don't have, they, they don't carry the yeah. weight that an Arenado does who shows up on national TV in the All-Star game every year, or an Ozzy who's in the Hall of Fame, I, I just uh, or a Goldie who's going to be in the Hall of Fame too. I just, uh, as much as in St. Louis they are, uh, I, I don't know if nationally, I, I, do, I think I do know nationally, not yet for those guys. I mean, think about it with Nolan Arenado, even a dip for him last season. It's not even fair sometimes to say a dip, but a dip of what we're used to seeing from him. It was his first full season without 30 homers. He missed out on 100 RBI for the first time. That that just shows you how talented he is. I just think that he's the face, he's the name that people recognize here because of everything that he's done so far. Now, we do keep getting a lot of other ones as well. What about Jordan Bennington? I'd go more Robert Thomas before him. I'll give you an example. So I'm watching ESPN last night, and they're promoting the Blues and the Red Wings. I think it's at noon, and it's a national game. And who's the guy that they're featuring? It's Robert Robert Thomas Mm -hmm. against... Who, I don't remember the Detroit player, but they showed him. And in, from a hockey perspective, I think, Brooke, you're right. It'd be those two guys, mm-hmm. Bennington, who's won a cup, great story, and then also Robert Thomas. Now, if we extend this out 90 miles, does uh, Eli Drinkwitz trump all of them in terms of being a face of, uh, if we consider Mizzou football a St. Louis team, is Eli Drinkwitz the guy that has the most national cachet right now? I believe so. With everything that he's done, I think that that's a name that you could could consider as a part of that. Somebody also texted in earlier, Luther Burden. I think that he's another name. Brady Cook, Mm -hmm. two local St. Louis products there that have done really well now and are getting national attention. I think it's fair to include that in in the conversation. If you're going national attention, then it'd be Jason Tatum for me. Yeah. Jason Tatum would be my guy. Although in a year, if uh, we're talking about football, he could be one of the top picks, top five picks, Luther Burden, as you just said. I think that would be in there too. But I'm with you. And Eli is, 
great on the interviews. He's got the the quips when he's at SEC Media Day, so he's going to get attention for that. Um, I, I like that idea. And with all due respect to baseball and soccer and hockey, college football is number two right now after the NFL. It's it's the on a national level, it's the National Football League, and then. Way down is college football, and then way down is everything else. Yeah. So he's really visible. Being in that Cotton Bowl was really visible. And the fact that ESPN loves him is a big part of it, too, that he shows up on ESPN on a semi-regular basis. And I'm guessing that with Saban gone, he'll probably show up even more now. How about Jackie Joyner-Kersey? I think that's a great call. And I think especially locally, everybody, we know who JJK is. Yeah. And, and she's just a great representative of the community as well. So I don't think there's any doubt about that, that JJK yeah. can be right there. I'm just thinking of, in my whole thought process with Nolan Arenado is current players where if you say, okay, who's the big athlete in St. Louis currently? Who is everybody saying immediately? I think Arenado would be yeah. my guy. Yeah. yeah, nationally for sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then Wayno is playing at the Grand Ole Opry, so he's got to be there too. I think people still associate Albert with the St. Louis no Cardinals. No that would doubt. be another one. Yadier Molina would be another one. Still somewhat prevalent in the conversation, so I, I would look at those two guys as well. Yeah, it's amazing. When you think about the names that we've talked about and then think about the names that were around in 2000, all the Hall of Famers we had in our town oh, in yeah. 2000, how lucky we were then. It was a great time. Great time to be a sports fan here in St. Louis. And the teams were good. Yeah. Not just the individual. The teams were very, very good. Yeah, and we Spoon had just left. Yeah, uh, during that time, ninety eight, ninety nine, you had Spoon too. And a lot of great things going. Yep, it was pretty fun. What about Jordan Walker? Sorry to cut you off before yeah. we head out. What about Jordan Walker in this conversation? Because we keep getting that over and over again. Obviously, very early on. But what would you need to see for him to be the new face of the St. Louis sports? I think that's what he needs to do. Is his face needs to become recognizable. Also be established. Yeah. Not quite established, I'd say, Brooke, in two years. Maybe he's one of those guys, mm -hmm. but I, not yet. I, I think people here in St. Louis know about him and they're excited about him, but if you asked a lot of people outside of St. Louis who's Jordan Walker, I don't think they'd, unless you're a baseball fan, they're not going to know. He didn't even make the athletics uh, top mm. players under 25 list. Right. That is Dan. That is Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, if the Blues stay in the playoff hunt by the trade deadline, are you okay with them standing, Pat? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah, I'm not touching a thing. If I'm Army, I'm looking at this team going, look, you guys have been up and down and all around all season long, and you find yourselves right there in the mix. I, I think I'm going to ride it out with this team. Because if I... A couple things. If I start trading off pieces and the team then misses the playoffs, I don't know. For me, I would feel like I've denied my team an opportunity to make the playoffs by trading away pieces that could help us. So why not ride it out with the guys we have and hopefully make the playoffs? As far as trading people off, <laughs> I've said this a couple of times, what are you getting in return? Like, honestly, the guys that you could trade to get something back, they all have no trade clauses. That's Jamie Rivers. Joining us yesterday here in the opening drive on 101 ESPN, talking about what the Blues should do at the moment as the Blues get ready to take on the Islanders tonight. They have the second wild card spot. But if the Blues are in the hunt and the trade deadline gets here, would you be inclined 
to make a move, or would you be okay with them standing pat? I would be fine with them standing pat because I'm trying to figure out who exactly they could move and get some value out of. I think Kasperi Kapanen, what do you, what would you get for him in return? Seventh round pick. Marco Scandella, injured currently. That's not something that you could do. I know that Oscar Sundquist possibly could be somebody that you could get something out of. But honestly, and Randy, you've stated this before, and I agree with you, I think you have more value with him here. Not saying he's not a valuable player, but I think that his, he's more valuable here currently with the St. Louis Blues. And then the other name we keep talking about is Pavel Buchnevich. Is that a player that the Blues are willing to part with at this time, especially if they're looking at making the playoffs? It's going to be tough to make the playoffs, too, with the way that their schedule unfolds here coming up. They have the Islanders, Devils, Rangers, Bruins on an East Coast swing. That is tough. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I'd be happy with them standing pat, and I don't think I'd re- be real happy if they added. I-, I think the one thing I would look at is Buchnevich and what I can get. I mean, if I get two first-rounders for him, i got to look at doing that. The The concern I would have in getting two first-rounders, is if somebody's going to give up two first-rounders for Pavel Buchnevich, it's probably a pretty good franchise that's mm-hmm. going to be dra- – they're, they're getting Buchnevich to put him over the top and to win the Cup or to, to play deep into the playoffs. So we're probably talking about a pick between 25 and 30 in the first round, or 32, whatever it might wind up being. But you probably are not going to get a premium first-round pick in exchange for a guy like that. And there's some injuries that are popping up. Mark Stone – right now as one that you could look at maybe they would be willing to get a Buchnevich. It's going to be a team who needs a player like Buchnevich to really move the needle that thinks that they have a pretty good chance in the playoffs. I'd be interested to see how they handle the situation. I know we talked to JR about this earlier and when you read the full article, I've been reading it in between the breaks, and there's so much interesting information here, especially about Buchnevich and his relationship with things here in St. Louis. I wonder how he feels currently about the Blues, because JR mentions in here, you have a new interim coach. The direction is kind of unclear at this moment of where the Blues are, and things look very different than when he first came here to St. Louis. Apparently, he was very close with Jim Montgomery and also was had a solid relationship with Craig Berube. I wonder how Buchnevich feels about the current situation here in St. Louis and if that's changed here recently. We get him for a year and a half, mm-hmm. which is enticing for any team. It's not just a rental for this year. So that would entice, I think, any team that feels that they have a chance to to go deep in the playoffs. And that's the question I would ask if I'm the Blues. Do I realistically think I'm going deep in the playoffs? I, I think if you made it to the second round, I don't know what you guys feel. I, I'd be thrilled yeah. Yeah, if they I did that. Be. So I'm kind of standing pat, and I don't know what I have with my team because they're so inconsistent. And is one player, if I add him, going to make that much of a difference? Now, I am looking forward to Bolduke tonight. He's going to play in the top six. They're going to throw him right into the fire, which makes it kind of fun if he gives this team a little jump. I'm interested to see if he can help with the five-on-five scoring. I think that's a big... Now, that's a lot of pressure I just put on him right there. He's not going to go in there and fix everything. But I'm very excited to see what he's going to be able to do, hopefully to add to that with his skill. How does Pavel Buchnevich fit in if you're a team that expects to win a Stanley Cup? Is is he a top-line guy for a Stanley Cup championship no. team? But he's depth. Uh, he not, I'm not talking third or fourth line. I mean, I think second he's... Second line guy? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. And a really good one. Mm-hmm. You know, he's it, the thing is, though, right now is... What do you think the appetite is for other teams to add him with the way that he's played in the last 10 to 15 games? It hasn't been good. That's the other thing. If you're a team, do you say, 
well, I'm getting a pretty good player, but he hasn't played well, and maybe if he gets a new situation, new scenery, we can get some jump out of him. Well, he is still tied for the team lead with 19 goals, I believe, this season. So while it has been an up-and-down season for him, maybe a club looks at that and says, change of scenery will really help him out. And he's been a 30-goal guy in the past, but... Uh, Dan, to your point, I, I think right now we look at him as one of our best guys, mm-hmm. but we aren't that great. So if, if he goes to uh, a Rangers or, and I don't think the Rangers are taken back, but a talented team, Tampa Bay, he, he he's probably got less pressure on him because he's at best a second line guy with the Tampa Bay Bay Lightning. I love how he competes. I I will say that every single night, man, this guy puts a lot of pressure on himself to put up numbers and to be one of the top players on the ice. If I'm an opposing team and I see that and I've interested him, that would entice me too. I mean, he doesn't take nights off. He may be frustrated, but I don't see him very often take a night off or a shift off and that would be Mm -hmm. enticing for me too and that's why i'm saying that i find it very interesting that jeremy does a great job of just really breaking that down i mentioned the relationship in the article because you do wonder maybe a change of scenery would benefit him and if that plays into it because remember it wasn't too long ago drew bannister did say and he has this in the article as well that he wanted to hold players accountable and that was one of the first things he did was hold pavel buchnevich accountable and he also held himself accountable, too. Remember after yes. the game, he was yeah. just uh, saying, I played terrible. This is not the way I need to play. I'm paraphrasing. But, uh, you know, that's the way it goes. And not a lot of teams with a ton of cap space either, which is something that plays into uh, any trade that a team makes at the trade deadline. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch. Matthew has rock and roll for us here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll as we head down the stretch of this edition of the Opening Drive on this Friday Eve, February 22nd, 2024. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, it looks like the Cardinals have uh, announced the fan voting for the next round of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. Voting will begin on February 24th, and here are your four options. Steve Carlton, George Hendrick, Matt Morris, and Edgar Renteria, who, as Hmm. we learned today, is the last Cardinal shortstop to win a gold glove. Yes. Nice. All right. If you're going national, you'd say Steve Carlton, but you have to look at his time in St. Louis, which by the end of it was really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Part of a championship team in 1967. You want the stats? Not really. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do a segment on this tomorrow. I've already thought of a segment. Okay, we will. Uh, That's a nice tease ahead yeah, that you just yeah. did there, Dan. Uh, it was being on the Red Ribbon Committee that selects the people that uh, everybody votes for. It was pretty easy to vote for these four. They, they were pretty obvious. The oh, Cardinals- did you know this was coming? Uh, yeah, but you couldn't release it. I couldn't release it. Right. Uh, so this is a really good group. The Cardinals are going down to one now. They've traditionally had yeah. two Cardinal Hall of Famers, and they're they're cutting back to one. And they will also announce a veterans committee, uh, an old timers uh, selection, and then the Cardinals ownership and the the front office they can make their own selection too. And I hope that they do. And a couple of people have been brought up, and, and I, I bring up Dave Duncan every year, and I hope that, especially because Dave has dealt with some physical issues, I would love to have him experience the pleasure of going into the Cardinal Hall of Fame. And 
Tony Lewis is also on the committee, and Tony says, hey, we wouldn't have done what we did between 1996 and 2011 if Dave Duncan wasn't there. And that's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. You don't have to have Tony Lewis to tell you that. Yeah. So what are those con- what were those conversations like with the Red Ribbon Committee? I'm just, if you can give us mm-hmm. like a little insight of what goes into the full decision. Well, first of all, you can see how we miss Bernie Miklas as a presenter for Tory Holt in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because Bernie's on the committee and he puts so much work into it and he, he really digs down deep to find the best numbers for people. He's spectacular and you learn so much when you're in a room with him. But uh, everybody has opinions But uh, and normally for the last four, five, six years, it's been hard to break this down because the Cardinals have such a great history and so many people are deserving of being on this ballot but haven't made it onto the ballot yet. And because so many people have gone into the Hall of Fame, it's becoming a little bit easier. I also think that some fans are like, well, wait a minute, Matt Morris, Edgar Renter, George, these aren't big names that we've seen in the past and it's watered down. That's not the case. It's just your initial classes Mm -hmm. were so good with the biggest names of the franchise's history. So you're going to see it not watered down, but you may see some lesser stats associated with these players that that get in. And I, I'm with you, Randy. You mentioned the health issues that Dave Duncan has had and his guys uh, or ladies get older. You know, people are going to be are going to pass and you want to see these people get their mm-hmm. due while they're still alive. That's why when I vote, I'm going to vote for Steve Carlton. Good one to, to vote for. Yeah, because he's right there. I mean, we've already lost Mike Shannon. We've already lost Tim McCarver. Yep. We've lost his contemporaries, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock. I don't want to lose him before he gets a chance to go into the Hall of Fame and experience it. I think another one I'd throw out there is Walt Jockety. Yes. Mm. And he would be one that the ownership would, would be an ownership selection to. Pretty good stretch of baseball from Walt. Yeah. Pretty good trades. Absolutely deserves to be yes. in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, without question. So that's uh, it's a good ballot. By the way, George Hendrick is really underrated in Cardinal history, too. He was the number four hitter for a world championship team. Uh, when Whitey got here, he was one of the guys. George was one of the guys that Whitey kept around because he knew that he could win with George Hendrick. And if you look at the numbers that he put up over the time that he was playing with the Cardinals. And the, the alleys were 385. It was 414 to dead center. I think it was 365 down the lines. And, and he still hit 19 home runs. He, but he, he had a bunch of doubles. He was a really good power hitter. And if you talk to guys from, from that 82 team, talk to Ozzy and Tommy Herr and uh, Keith Hernandez, they talk about what an influence George Hendrick was on that group. You guys took away my segment for tomorrow. I know. We, I was we've like, gone deep into this. I, I like it. We have. It away. No, we've, we've got more. I have a little breaking news. Okay. Mitch Keller and the Pirates are in agreement on a five-year contract extension. He's 27. That guy's nasty. So he gets a five-year deal. Wow. Is Mitch Keller, if he's in St. Louis, is he our number one starter? Be close. I, I'd still go Sonny Gray. Um, I mean, three years, $75 million that you're dedicating to Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. I, I'd put him as my number one. I know you wouldn't. Well, I, I, th- I think Mitch Keller is one of those guys. I think it's a really smart move by the Pirates. I think that he has a chance to be a big-time front-of-the-rotation starter. There's a great article in The Athletic that talks about the yes. mediocrity of the Pirates mm-hmm. and letting guys get away over the years. Um, the last lasting memory, maybe, for winning baseball is Andrew McCutcheon and what they did against the Reds in, I think it was 2012, Cardinals took them uh, they took the cardinals to game five wainwright went the distance i think that may have been 12 or 13 and then prior to that it was sid bream scoring for the atlanta braves cabrera mm-hmm. gets a base hit to left 
and Andy Van Slyke had told Bonds, you need to move up on the base hit. He didn't, and it was a matter of inches, Sid Bream scoring at home plate. Yeah, we think about how miserable winning 71 games was last year. Ooh. Think about winning 71 every year. Every, <laughs> and just having yeah. no chance. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It was like what we were talking about yesterday with the salary floor. That's the first team that you think of with mm-hmm. the Pirates where it forced them to do a little bit more. I mean, I wonder what that's like for the players. I like that they're at least spending a little bit of money here. I wonder what it's like for the players knowing that, okay, there's not much of a future here if I want to accomplish certain goals. I think Ooh. everybody wants out of there. That's why Garrett Cole and, and Joe Musgrove and those kind of guys aren't there anymore. Yeah. I think it just weighs on you as a player. Like, to your point, Brooke, it just... You get frustrated. You're losing a lot. You wonder about your chances to win. You go into spring training having no legitimate shot to win. That's that's tough on players. It really is. And if you feel like ownership is not putting their best foot forward to give you a chance to win, that's frustrating too. Yeah. If you're the Cardinals, and over the years, because you've made a lot of money, there have been times where you have had to pay into revenue sharing. But when you watch the Pirates do and what the Reds have done in the past, isn't it worth it? You're just basically able to buy wins from those franchises, especially when you were playing them 18 times a year rather than 14. If I'm the Cardinals, and Dan, you know how competitive Mr. DeWitt is. He wants to win, despite yes, what does. some people think. He, If you can buy those wins, he, I'm sure they have a price on them that they pay in to the Pirates and the Reds, mm-hmm. you take advantage of it. It's the uh, beauty of the Central Division of the yeah, National League. It I mean, really is. <laughs> you, you look at what, I mean, there's no other way to put it. It's beauty. a lesser division than those that are out there, like the American League East. Or you go out West and you have teams spending a ton of money, and the Cardinals are projected at 85 wins this year, and that's going to win the division. Mm-hmm. Somebody gets to 85, they're in. So it's a lesser division. Yeah, it yeah. is what it is. And then you hope that you can become what the Arizona Diamondbacks were last year, make it to the World Series. Yeah. One last thing, they just announced uh, that they have uh, decided on the pay schedule for college athletes for the new college football game. Of course, every other week or every week? No, it's just you get 600 bucks for being in the game. And if you're on a roster, even if you transfer, you will get 600 bucks every year that you're in the game. They're also talking about there's going to be NIL opportunities uh, for uh, a number, like 100, probably the more elite athletes mm-hmm. to do like social media posts and things like that. So if you're in the game and, the you, game. and you authorize your NIL, yes. video the video game, game, you get 600 bucks and you get a copy of the game which i think is honestly just a fantastic throw in but yeah i just i just just love it that yeah obviously the very top players are going to make all the money for the most part in nil but i like that the third string you know the fifth string offensive guard will get 600 bucks in a copy of this game no matter what and he will be in the game as long as he's on a roster so good for him ed o'bannon saying you're welcome damn right exactly (laughs) no doubt he also said we're one of the highest paying programs i wonder if he was like tongue-in-cheek pointing out that like ea sports is now one of the largest NIL collectives in America just based on this deal alone. Wow. Which I think, it, which, which the math probably does beg out yeah. that it's true, but it's kind of saying they're going to do at least 85 players per team. Mm. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So good, good for them. Good for them. Yeah. And they, yeah, these kids should get the money, and I just can't wait. wait where's the basketball deal? Because now I want the basketball yeah. game. Good job today by our producer, audio video engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes, of course. Oh. Your face. We want to see your face. Who's saying that? You want to see my face? Danny Mac gave us a yo-ho earlier. I did. I like it when Matthew goes, pleasure. So that's a pleasure. It's pleasure, pleasure, Randall. We discovered that like the fifth day I was here, like overall, like two years ago. It was like like the fifth. Like, I didn't have enough time to say anything. I was just go, pleasure. And it was like, yeah, just say that every show. And we have been for two years now. Yeah. It's pleasure. like you work at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not my pleasure, though. So they, By the yeah. way, Randy, it opened up on Olive and 
you were you were saying we we're going to be able to get something out of that. The new Chick Fil A. Oh yeah, we did. Were you not here that time? Oh, I, maybe oh, the I wasn't. Chick Fil A biscuits. Oh, I was here. Thank you, Chick Fil A. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Shout down. No, Thank you, David. Can Bruce we do and... it again? That's what, I, that was, that's what I was gonna say, Dan. That's a great approach. Yeah, I don't remember that either. Right. I, I really don't. I no, think I that we need bad, to see if we were there for that day. I pulled your spot on that one. Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, to take you behind the curtain, they came in. Uh, the, the people, the powers that oh, no. be, came in and uh, they they took my laptop Jesus. during the course of the show. So I hope to see you guys tomorrow. Oh, good. Uh, we thank you all for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, maybe, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Friday Eve, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.